This is the Old Father Odin, and you should be listening to Radio Free Asgard. No, no, that's just not going to work. Let's try this again. This is the evil Loki, and if you hate Thor as much as I do, you should be... All right, let's just try one more thing. Jane Foster here, and you should be... Ah, risen. All right, let's just keep this simple. Hello, everybody. My name is Tom Harris, and I do a podcast called Radio Free Asgard, which airs every Thursday over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. We cover the adventures of Thor, Hercules, and more from ancient times all the way up into the present day. We read old comics and make fun of them. I do ridiculous voices and generally make an ass of myself. So if that sounds fun to you, you should come join us. The only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. And we'll see you there. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. I'm going to regret this. This is ridiculous. Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Star Tours announces the boarding of the Endor Express, non-stop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding. No! Cannot get your ship off. <laughs> Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fans. Lando Calrissian. And now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. We would be honored if you would join us. What is that? I don't know, but it sounds familiar. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to... Star Wars Weekends at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Feel the force all weekend long as Disney's Hollywood Studios, along with special Star Wars Weekends host James Arnold Taylor, celebrate the greatest saga ever told. Encounter your favorite Star Wars characters, meet Star Wars celebrities, and participate in one-of-a-kind Star Wars Weekends events that can't be experienced anywhere else in the galaxy. And may the Force be with you.
Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. This is Star Wars Monthly Monday number 53. I'm Scott Gardner and I'm joined as always by my bestest pal, Chris Honeywell. How's it going, man? It's going good. It's it been is. a great summer so far. It is going good. It has been a great summer, but man, it has, I don't know about where you are, but it has been raining here like crazy. I mean, it typically rains once a day in Florida this time of year anyway, but here lately it's been it's it's not been that typical like, you know, hellacious downpour for 15 20 minutes and then it's gorgeous again. It's been like just a steady days, drizzle. Yeah, well, it's like the day starts you know, beautiful and then you know, it starts raining and then it doesn't go away. Or the day starts with like that just like drizzly pissy rain. And then it just kind of lingers all. Uh, you know, it's it, it's nice. been kind of unseasonable. It's been kind of weird. But we've been just having mutant weather here. It started <laughs> out spring-like, then it got hot, hot snap, and then we got this weird like fall weather snap. Then it got. Then we had ninety a whole string of ninety degree days. Wow! And now we have a few days of rain, but we need the rain so. It's it's kind of a welcome relief. It's cooling things down too, which is really nice. What I hate is when when you live in a place, you know, where it's humid and you're right on the, you know, you're right on the you got the ocean around you on every side. I mean, we're it's it's a freaking peninsula. You can't dig down more than three feet without hitting the water table. Without water springing out of something. Yeah, and, you know, we had uh, we had these flash flood warnings recently for the county that I live in. There have been all these thunderstorms, and it, it's hurricane season, you know, so it's going to rain a lot. There's all these weird things. And then constantly all I ever hear about out of the news is how we're in a drought, we're in a drought, we're in a drought. And I'm like, if I hear the word drought one more time by a Floridian, I'm going to punch him in the throat because I'm tired of hearing about how we're in a drought when it rains every day. Every day it rains. It's like, shut up about it already. But anyway. <laughs> it's not raining enough. It's, it's crazy. I'm about to start you know, working on an arc, and they're talking about we need more rain. So. <laughs> Anyway, so we're going to start this one off. Uh, you had something arc rated. Two, the are you going to get a talking ape to to help navigate it? Oh, I'd love that arc two. Uh, that, I always did think that thing was cool. Somebody said I heard some. I think it might have been on Dinner for Geeks. Somebody was talking about. Uh, I guess that's out on DVD now. I'm going to have to track for that Geeks? down. Oh, arc two. Arc two. Yeah. <laughs> that's just what I want to do. Is watch. Scott Rife and eat a Philly cheesesteak on DVD. <laughs> Fascinating video. No vegetable matter whatsoever. <laughs> hey, we're going to have a little bit more uh, Scott Rife in here later in this episode, too. It's a, yeah, it's going to be a Rife and flavored in episode <laughs> for sure. So, what do you got? Well, oh, what do I got? What do you got? <laughs> well, I, got, I don't got much, but it's actually a lot. It's only one thing, but it's a big, huge honking shout-out to Sean Engel. I know I got him in Comics Monthly Monday, but this is the appropriate place to do it. Because, as you know, last month was like a milestone episode because we basically did the last issue of the Marvel run, which is a hard-to-come-by issue. 
And I, I did it off, I read it off CBR because I've been too broke to get it. But our hero, Sean Engel, sent me a copy. He said he was sending me something in the mail. And it was not long after we'd had a Star Wars conversation, so I wasn't sure whether that glorious bastard was mailing me um, that omnibus with all the, you know, newly reprinted, you know, um, weird outtakes and stuff and odd odd stories from Britain and stuff. Or, do, you have an, do you have a copy of that yet? No, I do not. Oh, you hear that, listeners? He needs the hookup because we're oh. going to start on that pretty soon. I'm too broke. That yeah, I know, and it's a, it's a, it's not a cheap omnibus. At least for me, anyway. So, any rich listeners out there? <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't turn out to be that. It turned out to be even better. It turned out to be Star Wars 107. Wow. Which yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that is quite the gift, That's, my friend. I only had like I I only have maybe like two or three more. I think one oh six is is one of the other ones, and that's kind of hard to come by too. But it's not as expensive as one oh seven, and not as it might be as rare, but it's not as sought after. Certainly, as number one oh seven. One oh seven is uh, that. I mean, that's quite the gift because uh, yeah, I've been pricing that thing, and it ain't cheap. Well, apparently he got a, a. Apparently he sniped a good deal on it, you know. So that wow. I, I hope he did. <laughs> because yeah, I really appreciate that. That's gonna be that's gonna be one of those you know bum 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 moments when that goes into the long box alongside its brothers. I'm really looking forward to that day. Wow. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I still have it out, you know, looking at it. Man, warts and all. You're just living right or something, man. Because I mean, I you know, I've only ever said nice things about Sean Engel to his face, and you know, I've never gotten anything. So, wow, that's wow. <laughs> <laughs> teasing, Sean. Teasing, teasing. Well, he and I had that. He and I had that one special ride at Disney Disney World. After. Oh, that's right. The yeah, uh, maybe, yeah. we've got we've had, maybe had a few more special moments. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're, Special you're moments with two true freaks. You're welcome to them. Doesn't that sound like a series of Hummel figures? Isn't that where the two true fruits rumor started up too? Right two after true that, fruits. I I like the I'm liking the idea of like the like special moments two true freaks Hummel series. <laughs> you know, little little ceramic figures of like Pummel. Hair- we have to call him Pummel. <laughs> You know, hair metal hero, all, all the you know, all the guys from like Star Wars Celebration. You can sit us around a table. You can sit us around a TV screen. <laughs> you can sit us in little convention seats. <laughs> I, I would see a, an action figure like that, or not so much an action figure as like a figurine of of hero being more like a troll doll, though. You know, with the with the freaky with hair. The hair. Yeah. <laughs> You could get the you could get there the, the two true freak special memories Hummel set you know has has me on the toilet and flippers pizza <laughs> as you read in the phone book. <laughs> 
We should work on that. We should get <laughs> that going. They always have little animals too. Like I'm I'm like on the toilet and there's like a little rat in the corner holding the toilet paper for me. Well, you know, one of Scott's friend, one of Scott Rifen's <laughs> friends, one of the co-hosts of uh, Dinner for Geeks, actually makes his own action figures. He actually oh, he custom makes them, or yeah, he he, he got a, a hold of the original guys that used to to do the figures for for Kenner, you know, the Star Wars figures for Kenner back in the day, and like got the secret recipe with the herbs and spices and all that, and makes his own figures based on that recipe. So, I mean, if he's doing stuff like that, surely he could whip up some two troops action figures. I'm <laughs> so we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to, you know. You better stock up on plastic, man. Those are <laughs> some big action figures. <laughs> oh, that wasn't nice at all. True, but wasn't nice at all. <laughs> the truth hurts, man. Yeah, no, no kidding. <laughs> Let's see what else. Well, speaking of shout outs, I wanted to throw another one out here real quick. A while back, we had given a shout out uh, to a, a, a particular um, site that was out there. You know, every so often, and this probably sounds horribly egotistical, but every so often, I like to Google two true freaks and just see what the uh, you know what the internet's saying about us and everything. And uh, and I had found one out there uh, that had nice things to say. It was a, from a site called It Came From the Nerd Cave. And sure enough, he had a follow-up on there. And uh, this was back from uh, back in April. He's got this cool picture. It's uh, one of the guys, one of the characters from that stupid, uh, oh, what was the name of that movie? Napoleon Dynamite. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's sitting in front of his computer. And the picture says, uh, my blog got mentioned on Two True Freaks, so I guess you could say things are getting pretty serious. It says, <laughs> it's, just a, it's a stupid picture, but ah. it just cracked me up when I saw it. He says, greetings, my loyal readers. He says, sitting here on the couch um, after another mind-numbing day in the office dungeon with a tax audit sprinkled, uh, sprinkled on for extra flavor. He says, oh, and your house burned down? Yeah. If you could go ahead and prove it, that'd be great. <laughs> anyway, here's a quick update of what's been happening here in my corner of Nerd Nation. He says, I'm bad. I'm nationwide. He says, I got my first shout out that I know of on a podcast. My boys over at Two True Freaks Podcast stumbled upon the capsule review of their show from my post back in January 2013. Now they he's read- getting a shout out to a shout out to the yeah, shout exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> He says they read and commented on it in episode 331 of Two True Freaks, their Iron Man 2 commentary show. He says, I recommend the show in its entirety, but the part about it came from the Nerd Cave starts at four and a half minutes into the episode if you're interested. Which is the first four and a half minutes of probably like a four-hour show or something. Yep, after that, just turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) He says, mucho gracias for the love, guys. Hey, absolutely, Mike. Anytime, anytime. Donata. <laughs> yeah, right in and uh, and uh, tell us what. Well, I mean, I know you had, you had the review and everything, but uh, yeah, anytime we can uh, give you a shout out, or if you ever want to just come on and shoot the breeze with us or whatever, we'd be happy to have you. So thanks for uh, for pimping us because we always appreciate it very very much. We can Let's... have him and Bertoni on on a special burning down the house episode. <laughs> Let's see what else we got. God, I got so much stuff here at the top of the show. It's it's ridiculous. I'm I'm buried in paper. I got so much stuff, but 
Well, we've been mentioning him several times already, so I'll go ahead and jump into this. So, if you follow me on Facebook, you know, last month, uh, back in uh, June, was, uh, well, you know, the first, the, the last bit of, uh, of Star Wars weekends happens, the second half happens in June. It's basically Star Wars weekends is every year for four weekends. It's the last two weekends in May first two weekends in June. So I had been posting up scans, you know, pictures I had, uh, I had done of the special, you know, limited edition special events, guide maps and, and promotional materials that Disney puts out for the star Wars weekends event. And our buddy Scott Rifen had seen them on Facebook and I guess I got him worked up so much about it. He'd never actually been to it before. And uh, he decided, you know, what the heck? He he actually he and his wife and, and his family they uh, they're actually members of the uh, the Disney Vacation Club. So he checked into you know spending some of his points and seeing if he could get a, a good room on property and everything, and just coming down for one of the weekends. And it all worked out, so he was able to come down. We actually got to uh, get together and hang out a little bit. So I'm going to share with you now just. Uh, this is some audio that I recorded while we were literally oh boy. sitting on the sitting on a uh, a curb at Hollywood Studios waiting for the parade to start. Now you won't hear the actual parade. I, I cut the recording off right as the parade was about to start because I figure eh, it's a parade. You know, I mean, how interesting is that going to he- you know be to hear? Because it's, essentially, it's just a bunch of Star Wars music and them announcing some of the different stars that were there. So if you want to actually see and hear the parade and, and our commentary about the parade once it's actually underway, um, you can see that video I posted up on my Facebook page, so you can go check that out. But this is actually our, our little preamble, our little pre-talk before the parade started, and I, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Hello, and welcome to Two True Freaks. My name is Scott Gardner, and I am coming to you sort of, kind of live from... Disney's Hollywood Studios at the beautiful Walt Disney World Resort, and we are here for Star Wars Weekends. This is the uh, the third weekend of Star Wars Weekends, and I am joined with, by my good friend Scott Rifen of the Dinner for Geeks podcast. Howdy. Howdy. You know, I, I have for years wanted to get down to this, and because of the way my work schedule runs, I never can make it down for this, so this is... I finally, you know what happened was, and we were we were just we already counted this year out as well. But then you started posting the <laughs> times guides and the map and everything on Facebook, and I went, God bless it, Gardner screwed me up because now I gotta go. And we actually, with with about a day and a half's notice, found a room on property and shuttled on down here. Got up, left at four o'clock this morning, and we were here, man. <laughs> so what are you thinking so far? I love it. I love it. You know, one of the one of the reasons that I never really made it a priority to get here and do this is because yeah, I knew they had a little something on the stage, and I thought they, I thought all the stuff they had set up was going to be over by Star Tours, and there'd be a few tents and some tables over there, and that was it. I didn't realize when I started looking at the stuff you posted, there's stuff everywhere throughout mm-hmm. the park. Yep. And that intrigued me. Suddenly, I went, oh well, this is not just some little area where they herd all the nerds. Right. <laughs> You know, let's let's put them over there so they won't disturb the straights. You know, exactly. which is probably not something I should say this weekend. <laughs> no, but, it's uh, true though. There is every every nook and cranny. There's st- something Star Wars going on. Yeah. That's what I love about it. 
Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's, and everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, it's it's not quite at the level of celebration, right? But it's good. It's good. More than anything, I really enjoy this because it is just it's just a straight up gathering of like-minded folks. Everybody's here yep. for the same thing. Everybody's here for their mutual love of Star Wars. Yep. That's what makes it an event. That's what makes it worth you know, worth traveling to, I think. And that's what really, to me, made Celebration so exciting as well. You know, I didn't I didn't go to the first four Celebrations because I didn't want to travel. Right. But once it was here, and we come here all the time anyway, and we've got points, and you know, so we stay on the property a good bit. I said, well, this is a good fit for us. And I never, I, I will tell you the honest goodness truth, and I probably should not even be on a podcast called Dinner for Geeks admitting <laughs> this. I had never, until I went to Celebration 5, been to a convention. Really? I'd never Of any kind? One. Well, I, okay, I take that back. A guy who run, owned a local bookstore in the late 80s held a con in the mall, you know, really didn't count. It counts. There it were counts. no guests. It was just some dealer tables, and I signed up as a dealer because I needed some money. Right. So, um, But other than that, no, I'd never been to a real convention until Celebration 6. So I was, you know, Celebration 5, so I was almost... 40 years old before I'd been to my first con. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I hadn't really... I mean, I'd been to, like, comic book conventions, you know, mm-hmm. like when they were kind of startup, you know, back in the 80s, you know, late 80s, early 90s, that sort of thing. But as far as, like, what I would consider, like, a real convention where you're talking, like, tens of thousands of people, celebrity guests and everything, was was uh, Dragon Con in 09. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that wasn't very long ago for no. me at all. No, really not. And what, what I found refreshing about going to that Celebration 5 was, as you mentioned, everybody's there to celebrate this thing that we all love and everybody has their own thing they love about it and their own spin and their own take on it so you you really get to see a lot of things that didn't even occur to you, people would either appreciate, admire, enjoy you know, it, it really was fascinating to see a little bit of everything and a little bit of everybody That was just awesome What What really blew me away with that is I like those really big gatherings like that because, you know, you come to something like this, you're going to see your Stormtroopers, you're going to see your Boba Fetts, your Darth Vaders, that sort of thing. But you go to something like Celebration, and it's that next level where people have to get really creative to kind of stand out in a, in a sea of Stormtroopers, if you know what I mean. Yes. So we saw, like, the guy that was dressed in, like, the concept Luke Skywalker yes. outfit. and so, I mean, stuff like this is just amazing, just yeah, absolutely or- amazing. The really? Muppet Stormtroopers were around. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, and there, was yeah. A, there was a guy that was an Australian Darth Vader at this last celebration. Did you see him? I don't think. What did he, he, what did he look like? He had a Darth Vader outfit, but it was it was a blue with the, the little star field that's on the Australian flag and just the stripe that are... No, I didn't was, see yeah, that one. Totally done Oh, up wow. It was a pretty neat, pretty neat sight to behold. And again, that's watching what other people bring to the table is, is part of the fascination for me. Definitely. I mean, this will be fun. We're lined up right now at the moment, folks. we got about, uh, what, about a half hour or so to go until uh, parade time. Now, this is really fun for me because, you know, of course, you get the stars are part of the parade, but the 501st is going to come out, mm-hmm. and, and they have a massive turnout for this because uh, a lot of cast members are actually members uh, of the 501st. Oh, really? So there'll be, you know, there'll be a lot of them. So you get, you know, a legion of stormtroopers. You'll have biker troopers, snow troopers, you know, biker scouts, everything like that. Uh, a lot of rebels. You know, you'll, you'll get a, a broad variety, 
but you won't get like the Kiss Trooper or anything. You know, you won't oh, get wait the. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Just a damn minute! What's wrong with the Kiss Trooper? No, no, no! I mean, I, I love that. That's okay. what I'm saying, though. It's like I sat you're, by you're... the Kiss Trooper at uh, yeah. At that's panel. right. That's right. Uh, that's right. I forgot about that. Got pictures of him. It was funny because he had like a handler, you know, and the handlers. Because I was like, I walked up, hey, can I get a picture? Because I love Star Wars and I love Kiss, and they're both very at a very high. In fact, we'll be. Well, we're here for Star Wars Celebration. The next time I come back here, we'll be to see Kiss in August. Oh, wow. And so um, so I, I went to go get a picture. Hey, do you mind if I get a picture? Sorry, wait till the wait till the panel's over, please, because, <laughs> you know, he's it's very taxing for him to pose for photos. That's he's funny. He's just a guy. Half of his costume came from Walmart. It's, it's okay. Right. That's funny. But, yeah, we finally did get some pictures with him, thank goodness. There were some really, really good costumes at that. I haven't yep. seen many costumes today, and I'm actually surprised no. by that. There's usually a really good turnout of, uh, of costumes. Really? Well, see, the last time I was here for anything like this would have been, I did come to last tour to Indoor. And so everybody who was at the celebration in their costumes pretty much showed up here in their costumes. Right, yeah. So, And by the way, are all X-Wing pilots trying to be Porkins? Is that the deal there? That, <laughs> it kind of looks like what, it, yeah. Is that what we're going for? Do you become an X-wing pilot as a cosplayer because you can't get a stormtrooper suit that fits? Is that is that the deal there? I'm just. If I was a little, I don't know, a little less self-conscious about it or whatever, I would like to do that one time. Do mm-hmm. Porkins, but come with like a big bucket of like KFC or something. Because <laughs> have you seen that that Photoshop? It, there's a great Photoshop going around the internet. It's Porkins uh-huh. sitting in the cockpit. It's, it's an actual picture from the movie of Porkins in the cockpit. But somebody has photoshopped him holding a bucket of KFC and a soda. But it looks, I mean, it's one of the best photoshops I've ever seen because it really looks like it's there. It's, a, it's hysterical. That Absolutely hysterical. <laughs> I've seen a lot of them in recent years. The uh, streetmosphere? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see the cop quite a little bit, but he's really the. I see him, and I see the uh, the one that's supposed to be like the older. Sid. Uh, hmm. Is Sid around? Sid Cahuenga. Yeah. I, do they actually have a walk around? Yeah, they have. Oh, they do did, they really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they've had that. two different ones, as I understand it. Oh, that's a nice T-shirt. Yeah, it is. Seen some really nice Star Wars shirts. That one's cool. I like that one. Yeah. I've never seen that. Well, that's, that gets a seal of approval. So what else is on your agenda today? We did. Uh, we came right in. We did Star Tours, which was fun. It was pretty much a walk-on too. It was yeah. Awesome. And we got a we got a good combination. You don't always get a good combination on those things. I mean, I know it's supposed to be completely random, but I I wind up with Naboo. And Kajik more than I ever want, you know. And we got—I told you before—I wanted Hoth and Geonosis. We got Hoth and Geonosis, so that was awesome. I was very happy. That was awesome. Yeah, for the longest time, I was starting to think that somebody like snuck it, you know, like a like one of those computer chips, like in my back pocket or something, that programmed it for like Hoth and or I mean not Hoth, but uh, tattooing in Naboo every single time. Because for the longest time, I was I was literally like cursed. Those were the, the same two I would get every single time. But the year lately, the last couple of times I've ridden it, I've, I've gotten different uh, different combinations. Yeah, the first the first day that we went, I guess it was last July that we went after it had reopened. 
and we rode it probably five or six times in a row. We got the bulk of everything there, um, but you know, we, we literally, I had to stop, we did it like five or six times in a row, and then I kind of went, you know what, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I got to take a break, or else. See, I was, I was really blessed. I got, uh, they, there was a contest they held on uh, the company intranet site uh-huh. um, back before the ride officially opened, where you could, uh, if you won, you could win a space in the uh, the cast member previews. Excellent. So I got to go to the previews, and I rode it over. I mean, it was unlimited rides. You could ride it as much as you wanted, because it was kind of like test and adjust phase. Yeah. So I rode it over and over and over and over. But, yeah, after a while, it was like, I love this, but if I keep doing it, I'm going to hurl. Yes. You know? And so you don't I, think it's not that rough of a ride, but when you've done it five or six times right. in a row, suddenly, yeah, you don't want to do it anymore. Well, it all depends on where you sit, too, because, yeah. you know... Yeah, we my, didn't have a very rough ride today, I didn't We think. were right in the middle. Yeah. Right on the, I guess, the, the full of the axis right there. Yeah. So. But yeah, if you're like... Because a lot of times, I, I was always getting, like the back like far right corner you know which is like you're gonna feel it the most in a spot like that you know you know i'm, I'm actually you know in my radio show i'm gonna start using that as a description of my radio show the far right corner yes. <laughs> i'll take that one. so we're waiting on the parade see you know earlier before we started recording i told you i don't wait in lines i don't do this I miss a lot of parades because I don't sit and wait. See, I'm not a parade guy myself. I'll wait for this one because yeah. it's awesome. It's Star Wars. But, yeah, I'm, I'm typically, I don't really do parades. I don't really do shows. I'm not much of a show guy. I do, like, say, like, Fantasmic. Yeah. You know, Fantasmic. Yeah, incredible. I don't know if you would consider Illuminations a show. I'll, I'll, I'll do I love Illuminations. Yes. I love, have you seen the Castle show over at uh, Magic Kingdom? I haven't seen it since they changed it. I saw it. The, the original, I guess, Magic Memories and You. Right, yeah. Uh, but I understand they changed it a bit since we've seen it. I guess we saw it this summer. They've changed it a couple of times. I know there's a new version that's out right now, and that one's really good. It's outstanding. Now, the hook they used originally, I think, was kind of, hey, you know, your photo pass photo could show up in here. And that that's kind of a fizzle because... Even if it is, you can't really make out anybody's faces in most of the shots they use. I'm really glad that that, that portion of the show went away. Yeah. I didn't ever figure that that was going to last very long anyway, but I, I was really glad when they essentially abandoned that portion of the show. I thought it was nice. It was a nice concept. Nice idea, yeah. But I agree that unless you were right up on the castle, it was really hard to make out any of the pictures. So. It, it was, and uh, I don't know. It To me, it was the equivalent of buying one of those tin... Uh, Photos of yourself at Epcot on the on the tombstones <laughs> in the front of Epcot. I do love the music they had in the original uh, the Magic: The Memories and You. That the music was awesome. They've salvaged some of it for the current version, but but not the whole thing, which is kind of a shame. I really like that music. Well, since my son wore a red shirt today, we're not going to go over to Magic Kingdom. So, uh, unfortunately, we'll not be able to check that out this trip. But in August, certainly all bets are off. We'll go we'll check it out. We're going uh, in August. My son has gotten obsessed with football out of nowhere. Oh, no. Which I don't have a problem. I love football, too. But uh, You do? Yeah, oh, yeah. Wait, why am I talking love to you? <laughs> there are small points of divergence, and those can be healthy. <laughs> Celebrate diversity. Um, no. 
but uh, we've met, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he's gotten eaten up with football, all kinds of football, uh, high school, college, pro, and arena ball. He's been watching arena ball like crazy. So now, we what found is that? What is arena, arena ball? football? That's where they basically take a, a hockey field area about 50 yards, take an indoor hockey arena put turf on it and play football on that small field. Oh, wow. Okay. The, the benefit of it is that it, it results in, you know, 50 to 60 point games instead of, you know, 20 to 30. So, you know, a lot of scoring, a lot of running. It's, it's a fun little variation on football. So uh, is it, it's not as big a field as a... No, it's about 50 yards instead of oh, okay. 100. 100 yeah. Okay, I got you. Football field. And there are a couple other little rules changes to make it more... You know, continuous, fast, nonstop. Is it full, fast full contact? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you really want to be tackled on a hockey rink? But okay, that's pretty much what they do. They lay a, they lay basically a giant welcome mat over a hockey rink, and there's your, huh. there's your field. But they're going to have the Arena Bowl in Orlando this year. Oh wow. And I told my son about it. And he's like, hey, that's great. And then we found out that part of the festivities are Kiss is going to play the night before as part of the Arena Bowl. Festivities. Now, where is this at? And this is a Kiss household um, at Amway, at Amway Arena. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So we booked our room. We're going to stay at Animal Kingdom, jump over, see Kiss Friday night, see the Arena Bowl Saturday afternoon. We're good to go. Are you staying with, uh, you know, with the Savannah View and all that sort of thing? No, you know, they have, it's amazing. There are some really low point rooms at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Where I've stayed in Savannah View, it's gorgeous. I recommend it for anybody. But if I'm just trying to get by and not spit, not use a lot of my points, we'll get one of those basic low maintenance rooms uh, at Animal Kingdom Lodge. It's not Savannah View, but it's still it's still a gorgeous resort. I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. I love the Savannah View, but for just staying and running them up, I can stay in any room there. I was uh, when I worked yesterday. I was runner at the resort. And we had a couple of packages that had been misdelivered to our resort. So I had to run to Wilderness Lodge and uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge. I had never been to Animal Kingdom Lodge before. That place was pretty cool, yeah. They're really sister resorts. If you step into the lobby, they're both variations on the same theme. Yeah. Uh, Walking up to it, I I could definitely see the the visual similarities. Yep. And both great resorts. Those are two of my favorites here. Uh, And Wilderness Lodge is great. Because of the theming, and that's what they do here that is amazing, and it's, it's why there's hope for Star Wars having been bought by Disney. Is they're all about storytelling here. Oh, absolutely! Everything here is here for a reason. There's a story behind the placement of everything here, and it's the same thing. If you go to Wilderness Lodge, there's a story behind that Wilderness Lodge. And when they built the villas, it's you know the, the DVC section of it. It's slightly different than the regular Wilderness Lodge, and there's a story behind it. You know, it's it's a whole it's got a whole railroad theme that doesn't even enter into the wilderness right. part of it. So, you know, have you ever been to the the railroad room that's over there? In oh the, yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that. I we love stayed that. we stayed nine days at uh, Wilderness Lodge last summer. Oh okay. And so I would get up and go in there and read in the mornings. You know, yeah, I just walk gorgeous. over there and just sit. It's great. I can just live in there. I think it's beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh wow! Check out this shirt. It's the is that a girl or a guy? Girl, right here in the blue. Is that Anakin and Obi Wan fighting? Where? Right, right. This girl right here. What are you talking? See about? the one that's the girl that's wearing like the rug, and then the girl next to her had yeah. a really cool shirt. Oh, I didn't see her shirt. I was too, I was oh, too distracted was by the other outfit. Couldn't tell who, uh, who it was though. It kind of looked like Anakin, and maybe it was Anakin and Obi Wan. I'm not sure. It was really cool looking though. The other, 
Oh, the Stormtrooper backpack. Yes. So are you a rock and roller coaster kind of guy? I've done it. I enjoy it. Uh, my big problem is I can't get anybody in my family to do it or Tower of Terror with me anymore. I'll ride it. Oh, you will do it now? I remember when he was little. You ride it? Yeah. One of his goals was to get tall enough to be able to ride a rock and roller coaster. And I remember being terrified of that when I went over the first time. I literally held onto his leg the whole time we were on it because I was like, he's going to fall out. He's too tiny. It can't fit. But, you know. That's a good one right there. That's, yeah, uh, that looks like one from uh, the art from uh, Celebration. Yeah. yeah. A while back, it's probably about two years ago or so, because I, I hadn't lived here very long when I saw it. There was, uh, have you ever seen the individual issues of Marvel's adaptation of The Empire Strikes Back? The single issues? Scott Gardner. Well, I know you're into, <laughs> I know you're into Marvel stars. I'm just Scott like, Gardner. What most, are you doing to me here? No, I'm just asking. Have, have I ever seen those? Yeah, the individual issues. Because most people have got okay. like like the, the super special or something like that. You've got Gardner. the individual issues? Scott Gardner. All right. <laughs> so you know that there's the there's the pinups in the back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's that one by uh, by Simonson of mm-hmm. Boba Fett. Yes. He's kind of making the, like the sideways stint. That's a T-shirt. They had it, and they had it. Uh, it was at Downtown Disney. I kept meaning to go back, and I put it off, and I put it off, and I put it off, and then it was gone. I, I never did get one, but I want that so bad. It was really, really Man. awesome. Well, that's what eBay's there for. eBay, you can find anything ever made in the history of man. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what my latest I'm trying to get now. I, I totally, at some points in the past, I was not able to go after it. Now I am able to go after it. Uh, so I'm renewing my search. Unfortunately, it looks like it's more expensive than it ever was. And that is, I want a copy of the three-volume hardcover slipcase, the Russ Cochran, Goodwin Williamson reprints of the strips. Russ uh, Manning? No, it was Goodwin Williamson. That was, that's right, Russ right. Cochran was the publisher. Oh, okay, yeah. that's okay. He does a lot of the EC stuff, too. See, I've been waiting for them to do that. I saw, I've seen that around eBay, but it, what is it, like 1500 bucks? Yeah, or something right now, like the that? only one on eBay is $24.99. Yeah. That's nuts. And I remember when it came out, it was like 150 and I'm like, you're crazy. I'm not... T-. And yeah, I no. couldn't at the time, but now I will pay 150 for it. What is the... Uh, what was the print run on that for it to be it that much? It was 2500 That's it? Yep. Wow. And they're all signed a number by Goodwin and Williams. Oh, okay. Well, there you yeah. go. All right. That explains it. Still, man, that's a lot. Ah, here we go. Uh, that sounds important. All right. Still 13 minutes. So this must be the... Really? Oh, this is just the announcement then. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Disney's Hollywood Studios is once again proud to present Star Wars Weekend. Woo! In 15 minutes, your favorite Star Wars characters, along with some very special Star Wars celebrities, will make their way up Hollywood Boulevard to the Star Wars Weekend's event stage in Legends of the Force, Star Wars Celebrity Motorcade. Legends of the what? Force? Is that what he said? I thought that's what he said. <laughs> I think that's it. That was it? I think that's it, yeah. Oh, Sid, yeah. Right. You know what? I think you're right. What were we talking about? <laughs> when? I don't oh, know. I saw something shiny and that was it. Yeah. I totally lost no, my train of thought. Goodwin Williamson stuff. Yes, that's hey, right. You, how old are you? Six? 
Are you here because of Star Wars celebration? What do you what do you what is your favorite Star Wars thing? You watch Clone Wars? Yeah. You do? Is that what you <laughs> is that your favorite thing or is, do you like the movies? The movies? Which movie? Third? Whoa, that's pretty rough stuff. I wouldn't let mine watch it for a while. How, uh, you were five, yeah. Oh, you were four. Oh, episode five? No, no, I wouldn't let you watch the end of episode three for a long time. We went to the, handle it. We took Logan to see that. We, we went as a family, we saw it in the theater, and uh, Logan was five. Yeah, I was a little bit concerned because of the rating and everything. Yeah, he was fine through the whole thing until it got to toward the end of uh, well, basically the immolation scene. Yeah, I looked over at him to make sure he's all right. Yeah, he's bawling his eyes out. Oh wow! I don't want Anakin to fall to the dark. I was like, oh no. (laughs) Now I have mixed feelings about that over there. What's that? There's a lady over there with a pair of Star Wars leggings that are really really cool. But I really don't want to stare at those. It's probably a little too much packed into the leggings. Just squatting now. Which may be worse. I'm not seeing it. Does it see the kid with the white blaster? Kid with the white Kid with the white yes, blaster. Yes, okay, yeah. She's got some really cool... Again, it's not something you really want to stare at for too long. Oh, okay, Is yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, she turns. Ah, Great. Ah. <laughs> Don't be doing that. <laughs> I should take a picture of that so we can illustrate exactly. I don't think Luke Skywalker's face That's is meant to be stretched across <laughs> a wide behind. I'm, I'm just going to realize Mark Hamill had so many dimples. <laughs> well, you know, he was in that bad accident right after the first movie, you know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Well, she's guaranteed people are going to check out her backside yeah, all day anyway, so maybe that was the... That actually reminds me a lot of the uh, the Star Wars bed sheets I had when I was a kid. <laughs> now, I don't think your bed sheets were quite that tight, however. <laughs> if, you, if they'd been like that, you'd have laid down for the night, you'd have been on the ceiling. <laughs> wow. Yikes. That's like combination of awesome and gruesome, the likes of which you seldom witness. <laughs> oh, check this out. I thought he had a, a Starbucks shirt. It's actually, ch- check him out when he stands. Right here, yeah, right. Star Wars coffee. That's awesome. It's got a stormtrooper in the middle instead of the Starbucks symbol. The right See the woman in the light right oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. See him? That's good. I like That's her. cool. That's very cool. See, I knew we lined up at the right time. Yes, See how did. packed it is now? Yeah, it's nuts. Lucky to have gotten our second row. By the way, these are the stars of the <laughs> marching pod. Oh, yeah. He was third stormtrooper from the left. That's right. Him. The guy with the, the sat- bandage on his head, that's the guy that conked his head on the door in episode four going into the control room. See, the sad thing is, is the quote-unquote stars of the south. Oh, I love this guy's T-shirt, by the way. Welcome to oh, yeah, Orlando with Lando Carizion. Yes. But the quote-unquote stars of the saga that are here today are not far off from the stormtrooper that clunked his head <laughs> on the door. So. <laughs> now, I will say that, welcome to Orlando, do note that Lando's leg is covering the R. Yeah. So it is Orlando. Yeah. Now, next weekend is the one that uh, Lando will be here. Oh, really? Billy D. Williams. 
It's Billy D. Williams. He'll be selling his paintings. Peter Mayhew. I'm trying to remember who else. There's one other. Well, screw this. We're coming back next week. Man. There you go. Come back next weekend. I got to work next weekend. Man. I do too. Curse the luck. I tell you what, this worked. This totally worked out, though. Because yeah. I was not supposed to have today off. They screwed up my vacation bid. It was supposed to be... Now, today, as we record this, folks, it's Saturday. Yeah. So my, my vacation was actually supposed to start tomorrow. So it was supposed to go Sunday to next Saturday. And they messed up the bid. So I went in to let them know that they had messed it up. When they straightened it, instead of making it Sunday to next Saturday, they made it Saturday starting today to next Friday. Normally, I would have complained, but when I found out you were coming into town, I'm like, you know what? I'm good with that. So I never said a word. I'm like, nope, that works. That's fine. Leave it just the way it is. The weirdness of that is we usually, I'm going to tell you, when we come down here, we usually book 11 months out. And at the very least, seven months out. You know, and we sit and we go to dinner and we bring notepads and we just, we diagram the whole trip. This was a completely spontaneous trip for us. And so that it all worked out the way it did is just, you just beautiful so i just had a friend of mine that was down here uh christopher hey christopher oh there we go yeah see see he's got the blue one and, and luke's got the red one i was just talking about that poster i have the poster at home that's an awesome t-shirt um what was i saying oh christopher yeah he was down here um for a week this was last week and i felt horrible because I had to work the whole time. I was in training the whole time, and then I got hurt, so I wasn't able to, to you know, do anything. Really, I wasn't able to walk. So, this is what always ends up happening: is like people will come to see me, or you know, well, you know, not just to come see. They yeah. come to come to Disney, you know. <laughs> they go to Orlando. But they want to hook up. Now. Yeah, exactly. But you know, they'll want to hook up, and I want to get together with people. But typically, it's like. It'll be like a weekend or something like that. I, like, never get weekends off. So that's why this was really awesome. It really yeah, worked out because I never get weekends off. So you're saying that to set me up to just tell you not to call when we come back in August is what you're no, saying? No, no, no. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> Do you know dates yet? Do you know when you're coming back? Uh, yeah, 16th, 17th, 18th. Cool. What days are those, you know? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Ah, yeah, I just told you, I never get weekends. I know, well. Oh, so you did, I, I get it, I get it, you did it on purpose, you. all right, I got you. Yeah, that's right, we're trying to, d- you're going to get, you're going to get your you fill. Know, that, that Gardner kid keeps following us around. <laughs> Can't get rid of that guy. We stay on a Saturday, we don't have to worry about him. And we can, we can let him know we're coming, and then he can go, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't make it, we'll go, darn it, we've oh, got the space Oh, heartbreaker. Man. That's all right. I can take a hand. As I spring my, I can't really. I spring maker man right there. And uh, <laughs> the stars are really out today. It's amazing. Is it wrong that I want to cosplay as the ice cream maker guy? No, there were a million of them at C6. There was like a platoon of them. I can be the albino one. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Disney's no. Hollywood Studios is once again proud to present. Star Wars Weekend! Woo! In just five minutes, your favorite Star Wars characters, along with some very special Star Wars celebrities, will make their way up Hollywood Boulevard to the Star Wars Weekend's event stage in Legends of the Force, Star Wars Celebrity Motorcade. Today, we welcome the talented puppeteer who performs Salacious Crumb and Admiral Akbar, Tim Rose. 
show he puts on, James Arnold Taylor, yeah. is awesome. Yes. It really is awesome. That guy is an incredible talent. Well, he emceed throughout Celebration. So, yeah, we got to catch him around a lot of different spots and a lot of different places. It seems like. I've got a friend that's, uh, that's personal friends with him. I mean, I'm, one of these days I'm going to have to see if I can uh, Get him on the show, yeah. exploit that a little bit to get to meet him myself. Yeah, get him on the show. He seems like he's a really cool guy. Oh, yeah. He's another one of those, too. You were talking to, uh, earlier about you know, having a guest who could just you know, just get him started and oh, sit yeah. back and yeah. let him go. And I, you have the feeling that that would be him. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Just wind him up and let him go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'd like yeah. to get him. I'd like to get uh, Corey Burton. Yeah, because in addition to you know the Star Wars stuff he's done, you know he's done work for. Uh, he's the Haunted Mansion voice. Yeah, now, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. He took over for Paul Freese, so he's the ghost host. He was uh, Brainiac on uh, Superman the Animated. So, I mean, he's done a bunch of stuff that relates to me. You know, yeah. my geek interests. So I think that'd be a blast. By yeah. all accounts, he's a really nice guy too. I'll oh, check see. it out. Vader playing the drums with yeah. the light drumsticks. Yeah. That's cool. I'll have to see if. Uh, if Jenkins has any in with him, we've got, you know, as I've mentioned to you earlier today, uh, our hometown is one of these weird hometowns. It's kind of the nexus of the galaxy and nobody knows about right. it. Right. Uh, Jim Jenkins lives there. He's married to the mayor's sister-in-law. Uh, Jim Jenkins is the guy who created Doug and PB&J Otter and all that. He lives in our town. Wow. So, in fact, huh. it was the, the mayor is a buddy of mine, and uh, he went over to dinner over there one night, and he's texting me. I'm here, and there's a conference call with Mark Hamill going on right now. Oh, wow. You know, I was like, suck it. <laughs> I'm being taunted by the mayor. Nice. 100. I don't have all the power in the town. It is a gorgeous day. Not too hot. It's a nice breeze, but I am so glad that it's a little cloudy because... I was like, I'm going to get heat stroke before the parade if the sun continues to just pound on me like this. I'm really glad it ducked behind a cloud. And I just hope it doesn't rain. Ooh, they could have left that off the loop. Not down with the Jedi rocks, huh? Not down with the song or the the sequence. Yeah, not down with it. Notice they don't play anything beyond the actual um, commercially available stuff. I mean, they don't play like, yeah, it's uh, like they just ripped Shadows. And... Yeah, they don't play like Shadows of the Empire well, or commercially available. But yeah, that's true. But you know what I mean. Uh, they beyond play the outside of the six. Yeah, they did a little bit of Clone Wars music. A little bit. A little bit. But yeah. Mostly the theme. maybe we should step in and program this stuff. 
tell you what, I'd jump on that gig. I'd jump on that gig in a heartbeat. I'm trying to remember where I was the other day, and it may have just been on Pandora, but somewhere they were playing the the uh, Return of the Jedi alternate cue from the Sarlacc battle. And I thought, yeah, that's one you don't usually get to draw out of the uh, drawer. I, uh, I found something interesting recently. No, I couldn't see had those pants on. The, uh, I found a list of not only the cues that are played over here at the main entrance, mm-hmm. but the source, where they all come from. Yeah. Because I've long known that the, uh, the Endor battle that's played out there is not the one from the soundtrack. Well, there's so the concert it. version and then there's the film version. Right, but it's, it's, it's the concert version, but it's still not the one from the soundtrack. Oh, really? So I tracked it down, and it comes from an album that's... Um, Shoot, now I'm not going to remember the exact like name Charles of it. Charles Gerhardt. Right? It's like the six Star Wars films reimagined, something like that. And it's, oh, it's, it's, it's by like a Prague oh. Philharmonic Orchestra, something like that. They do a lot of inexpensive soundtrack re-recordings. It's, it's not bad, though. But there's also, you know, Williams did an album in the early 90s at Skywalker Sound where he re-recorded a lot of it all digitally. Uh, there's some stuff you hear gets pulled from that, too. Good boy. Yeah, it was not bad. All right, now are we going to actually have the audio of the parade? Is that? I was, I was going to. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, then again, it's really, it won't be anything terribly exciting for the listeners <laughs> because it's really just a bunch of Star Wars. That's music. why I wonder. But I'm definitely going to film the parade. So, All right, here yes, we go. Like All right, it. All right, folks. We'll be back later. So anyway, that was a lot of fun, and uh, that was amazing. <laughs> and Scott got a real kick out of it, and uh, actually, you can hear him talk about uh, you know the experience and everything from from his point of view on uh, the ever excellent Dinner for Geeks podcast. I'm now all entirely caught up on that show, and I'm addicted, man. I really I, have you been listening to that one? I've listened to a few episodes, but I haven't been I haven't had time to do a concerted like consume every show but i I probably plan to to listen to every show because it's wildly entertaining yes it is it it really is it uh it is an excellent addition to the uh two true freaks family it is very two true freaks because it can go it'll go anywhere you know basically I, i tell you what it's it's got me itching for you and I to do some old school Two True Freaks episodes, just some some general like just shooting the breeze type of episodes, you know, where where the conversation can go any and everywhere. Because I, I I always dig those kind of things. We become in a lot of ways we become so structured that we don't really have that much anymore. So it's got. Well, we have an extra week this month, so maybe we yeah. can shoot shoot at some shit then I... in some form or another. I would totally be down for that. We know how to do it. Yeah, we do. If we remember, <laughs> which I think we do. So, yeah, definitely. But, uh, like I said, a lot of fun hanging out with Scott. Scott's a great guy and, uh, and a big star, uh, fellow Star Wars fan. And uh, he actually, they were talking on their show not long ago about a book. And I was like, you know what? I've got that. I've been meaning to read it all these years, and I'd never gotten around to it, and I finally decided to dig it out and read it. And what it was is uh, he uh, he has latched on. You know, he's a big Marvel Star Wars fan, just like we are. That's how we met him. That's how we met, yeah. Yeah, he, he came to our panel at a, at a Star Wars celebration that we did for Marvel Star Wars, expecting us to totally slag it off. and then Hatchet you know, job, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> anyway... 
one of his favorite characters from that is the guy, and now I'm just going to completely blank on his name. Ah, oh, I hate when that happens. But in the uh, in the issue, it's issue number 29, where Vader and Valance the Cyborg face off against each other on that, that like, you know, acidic lake planet there. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And there's the rebel that's on the run. I want to say his name's something Lucian. Tyler Lucian, I think, is his yeah, name. Yeah, it was yeah. something like Man, that. I just totally pulled that out of my ass. Anyway, he's kind of a- attached to that character, thinking that guy could have a-, a-, a bigger story arc. You know, he could he could actually you know you could tell a, a really good further story with that guy. Like you know, a- of course, before what happens to him in that issue. And then he got to talking, you know, his friends were talking on that show about there was kind of a, a character sort of like that in another story that was very similar to that. It was called Vader's Quest. And I'd heard of it, and I actually have the, the trade paperback reprint of that story. It was a four-issue series that uh, Dark Horse did. Dark Horse did. I, I actually own that. Oh, do you? Have you ever read yeah. it? It's really good. Yeah, it was really good. I, I finally dug it out and read it because, like I said, I've had it for years, been meaning to read it. I, I kind of vaguely knew what it was about. Um, I bought it randomly because I knew it was only like four issues. So it was like, okay, here's something I can get that's self-contained. I think the biggest reason that I hadn't read this all those years, though, was really it. it was... I was under the mistaken impression that it basically told the same story of how Vader came to learn of Luke Skywalker as what was told in the Marvel series. And I was afraid that they would contradict each other. And I don't like things that contradict the Marvel Star Wars. So I never read it all these years. It's just been sitting in a long box, but to listen to them, talk about this thing i was finally like you know what i gotta i gotta dig this out and read it and what was cool about it is that not only is it a really solid read not only does it have um a strong parallel in one of the central characters but this actually does not contradict it actually works very nicely kind of works with it yeah it does it, it totally fits right in with the story that was told in Marvel Star Wars, and I, I dug it. I thought it was a really, really solid story. I'm going to have to read it again. I just re- I remember it being really good. We'll have to cover this at some point in the in the near future. You know, before we got started with the, with recording, you know, you and I were, were again, kind of hashing out the details of, uh, of what we're going to do, you know, once we get past Our the future. Cleanup. Yeah. You know, this is our first, uh, for, you know, for those that may not listen on a regular basis, this is our first episode... Past the Marvel Star Wars, you know, Marvel Star Wars proper, the 107 issues. You know, last episode was our was our big extravaganza episode in which we covered the final episode 107 or final issue rather 107. From here on, for the next couple of episodes, anyway, it's going to be basically cleanup. We're uh, this episode we're going to cover the first annual. Next episode, of course, we'll do the annual two, and then from there, we're going to be uh, covering. Uh, the Marvel Star Wars material that is in the new um, omnibus that just came out from Dark Horse called Star Wars Wild Space Volume 1. Now, I've just got that recently in the mail. It finally came in the mail. There is some material toward the back of that book that is not Marvel Star Wars. I, I got the feeling that it's essentially filler. 
And that material we won't be going into. We're we're just going to be focusing on who made it. If Marvel uh, didn't make it, uh, it's uh, it has uh, some dark horse stuff in there, some promotional things for like toys and stuff, and then uh, I know that at least I mean that that stuff. Is, the toys could be fun in passing. You yeah, know? I mean I'm sure we'll comment on, on it in passing, but I mean nothing in depth. And I, I'm. Sorry, I don't have it here in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that at least one issue, if not all three issues of uh, Star Wars 3D is reprinted in there as well. Not in 3D, uh, um, oh. which is kind of interesting. But uh, I know at least the first one is in there. Maybe all three of them I cannot remember. But uh, I- I'm really looking forward to that. So once we're we're past that, then it sort of gets into free-for-all territory where we- we've got some interesting plans. So. So definitely stay tuned for that. But, you know, just I read that Vader's Quest thing and it, it I mean, I recently have really, really, really had my hunger for Star Wars uh, reading material reignited. So I read that I'm a little bit behind on current events in Star Wars comics, but I got caught up and I I'm, was I read the uh, there was a recent miniseries, uh, Darth Vader and the Ghost Prison. Did you read that? I think I have, like, the first issue of it. Man, it was good. All I remember of it, I don't remember anything of the story, but I remember the art being beautiful. It was. It was really, really nice. Like, painting gorgeous. It was beautiful. But the story was solid. Because the story had a really good twist ending, which I won't reveal, but it was, like... Oh wow! <laughs> you know when it when it happened, I was like, "Okay, I did not see that coming." It was it was really cool. It was it was a good good story. But uh, I decided to go back because you know I you know we we, we wrapped up one hundred and seven and we did our big retrospective and all and and the name that kept coming up again and again and again and again in that retrospective was Lumia. And man, I mean, you know, I love me some some Shira Bree, and and I love me Lumia, and I really, I want to read this damn story, you know. This, uh, so I start, I got back into, I, I had been reading Star Wars Legacy of the Force, the first book called Betrayal, because I know she pops up in this book, because it's already been spoiled for me that she, that she's in there and she's one of the the big players in the Legacy of the Force series and novels. But I'd been trying to read it and just could not get into it. But I, I picked it up again and I've been digging through it. And finally, finally something happened where <laughs> I think I'm hooked. I, I think I'm gonna oh, wow. I think I'm gonna go through this now. I just want to read you a, a little passage here and see what you think of this. So there's this thing that happens where um, Luke uh, has to go and, and basically he has to go on a secret Jedi mission and he, he, he recruits several Jedi to go with him on this mission. It's, it's very Star Wars. You know, it's, it involves this, this essentially a space station and going to take it out essentially to hopefully prevent a, a, a bigger situation, an escalation of hostilities type of thing. And afterwards, Han and Leia are flying in this speeder and they're talking and everything. And 
I, I just want to read you this passage because this is what hooked me. And uh, so it says here, it says, Han's jaw set and he saw Leia pull back unconsciously just a few centimeters. She was afraid, had never had reason to be afraid of his reactions, but, was, uh, but he was reminded of something a colleague once told him. When Han Solo got mad, he looked madder than any human in known space. He's doing it again, Han said. He's throwing my children, our children, into dangerous situations they shouldn't be a part of. What do I have to do to make him stop? Just that little bit hooked me because I'm, I'm, I'm over the whole thing with remnants of the Empire. You know, I'm over the whole thing with, you know, new dark lords and, yeah, you know, rehashes. All rehashes. But this intrigues me. This idea that. Spoiler, and I, I, stop me if you don't want to know too much, Chris, because I don't know your intentions when it comes to don't worry about me to the uh, to the EU. See, what's interesting for me is to delve into this stuff already knowing so much stuff that's going to happen because you you can't avoid spoilers on a lot of this stuff. People that want you to get into it unintentionally spoil it for you whether they intend to or not because they're trying to intrigue you to get into it you know what uh -huh. i mean so anyway at some point between you know where i gave up you know right after the the, the timothy zahn trilogy way back when when leia's han and leia's first kids were born you know the twins were born somewhere between then and this book they had another child, and his name was Anakin. It was Anakin Solo. Well, when this book takes place, the book I'm reading right now, Han and Leia, I'm not sure what age they're supposed to be, but, but they're twins, the first set of kids. They're now adults. They're, I'm, I'm thinking they're supposed to be in, like in their 20s, like maybe early 20s, early to mid-20s. Um. And Anakin has died. Something happened to him, and I'm not sure what. I think the book mentioned it, but it kind of in an offhand way. But at some point, they have lost a child. And this really intrigued me, this part where Han has just learned, Leia has just told him that you know, they knew that there was this mission and that Luke had gone on it, but I guess Han didn't realize that two of the Jedi that went on the mission that had been recruited for the mission were his surviving children, his, his other son and his daughter, the twins. And this is him learning of that and being really pissed off. And I yeah, because like he this. could lose all his kids. <laughs> exactly, because he's already lost a child. So I like this idea of there's conflict or at least yeah. potential conflict between Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, and not just between them as old friends and old chums, but also between them because you've got the love of a father coming up against, you know, Luke being you know, his friend, yes, but, you know, Luke in his role as. I'm not sure what they call him, but essentially he's head Jedi. You know what I mean? I was he, just gonna he's, say he's like a general. He, They're like generals, yeah. you know. But he's the master. You know what I mean? Like, like in the prequel universe, you had essentially Yoda and Mace Windu running everything. In this one, Luke's essentially at the top of that pyramid, and everybody else, you know, kind of falls in line under him. So 
even though these kids are related to him and they're his niece and nephew, essentially they report to him and they, you know, that sort of thing. So there's that rank structure there. And this is where those two things are, are coming up against each other. I like this. This is a conflict I can get behind. You know, this is this is an intrigue that is intriguing, much more than just, you know, the latest imperial general that's trying to hold the empire together or rebuild it or, you know, the, the latest, you know, Palpatine clone or whatever. I don't care about any of that crap. But this, this has whet my appetite. So... I'll report back when I get a little bit deeper into it, but uh, yeah, finally, uh, finally got to a point of this that that I think has me pretty solidly hooked. No Lumiere yet, though. Not yet, not yet. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm about well at this point I'm about midway through the book, but uh, my guess with this particular one is that she's going to be the big surprise. You know mm-hmm. the, the big hook at the end, but again, yeah. that's just a guess. I don't know for sure, but I, I have a feeling that's what it's working towards. But uh, it's it's getting good. It's getting interesting. Anyway, I'll put it that way. Uh, let's see what else we got. Ooh, we got. Oh well, before I get into that, just wanted to make a quick mention. You know, speaking a moment ago about uh, about Disney and Hollywood Studios and all that. One of the big quote-unquote news stories here recently or at least something that uh that was floating around the internet that uh, people were pming me about and messaging me about and uh and just generally kind of losing their minds over was this uh sort of semi-news story about star wars land i don't know if you saw this whole thing when it was oh yeah going on. This no, was i couple, noticed it at this point it was a couple <laughs> weeks ago um, I'm going to kind of keep my, my thoughts and opinions and, and everything on this, uh, kind of to myself at this point, other than to say, obviously I'm very excited. However, my, my real spin on this is I just want to point this out to people. Disney has not confirmed any of this. There has not been an official word. Now you watch the moment this episode goes up, or maybe you know, right? It's before, happening right now. Yeah, it'll be it'll be happening, which would be awesome. I'm not complaining. If that happens, I'm I'm all for it. But I can only get so excited only because there has been no official confirmation. Do I doubt it? Not really. No, I'm sure that somewhere in some Imagineer think tank, somebody is hard at work on, you know, full integration of Star Wars into Disney theme parks. And I'm sure that includes ours. I'm I'm sure Walt Disney World is, is going to get a massive influx of something Star Wars you know, in the next few years leading up to uh, 2015 and the, and the start of the new trilogy and all that. I'm convinced that's happening. But this specific rumor um, remains a rumor at this point. Me, I'm dreaming bigger. I, I love the idea of Star Wars land. I, I do think that uh, Hollywood Studios could benefit greatly by, you know, a- expansion with a with a fully realized... Star Wars land, but I'm still shooting bigger than that. I think Star Wars as a franchise, just on its own, I think, and this is just me, you know, armchair imagineering, but I think could support its entire 
Fifth Gate theme park myself. But uh, yeah, I think so. We'll see. I mean, it's a little bit of money, though. It, it, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, you know, one of the things that was reported in this uh, in this rumor news story was the idea that even if you know this comes about, if even if it's all true, that it was still several years away. And I remember somebody somewhere they were throwing out 2018. Yeah, people are throwing out which oh, yeah. where they're getting that number. Who knows? Oh, who know? Yeah, exactly. But somebody had said. Wow, you know, that's, that sure is a long ways away. Well, it isn't, it isn't. I mean, it's only five years. Five years might sound like a long time, but in the world of theme parks, five years really is, it's not that long. When you look at how long it took, you know, for some of the recent expansions that we have had, you know, the one that just, you know, the big celebrated one that's happened recently was the one out of uh, Disney's California Adventure where event, you know, essentially they just reimagined that whole park. That took a lot of time and a heck of a lot of money. And, uh, you know, same thing out here at Walt Disney World. You know, we've recently had uh, the, the new Fantasyland expansion, which is still ongoing. I mean, they're still working on, uh, you know, the major piece of that, or at least in my mind, which is the Snow White uh, attraction, you know, that's still under construction, won't open yet for, I'm not sure, uh, by the end of this year, or middle of next year, something like this. I mean, there's at least a half a year to go in that whole project. So, I mean, that's one of the things I like with our company is that, you know, they do take their time. They, they want to make sure that, you know, they're, they're right, they're a good fit, they're safe, and, uh, and that, you know, they're the best that anybody can do. So, you know, again, I, I think it's perfectly realistic that this more than likely is coming down the, the line. I'm really excited about it, but essentially still just a rumor at this point. So yep. we'll wait for the press release. Yeah, I will definitely, uh, I will definitely keep you guys posted on anything that, uh, that I learn about it, that, that I'm allowed to share as it were moving right along. We do have a little bit of feedback here, and I really wanted to make a point to get to this one because I felt bad that it failed to make the cut last time around for our uh, big finale wrap-up for uh, Marvel Star Wars. You know, with uh, We had the big wrap-up section. With a, we asked people to submit their top three lists. We received this one. Just after we had done our recording for that episode, and uh, and I really felt bad. I didn't want uh, uh, you know the person that wrote in to feel like we had slighted him or anything like that. And that, of course, is our good friend Luke Jacanetti. Sorry, Luke, you you just missed the cutoff on that last one, but this is the one that uh, Luke sent in for us. <laughs> he titles his. Not spam, which uh, thankfully is not trademarked yet by Jason <laughs> Trenner. That's that's what he always writes on his as well. He says, not spam, Star Wars Monthly Monday number 51. He says, hey dudes, in this episode you guys mused on the loss of the religious aspect of the Jedi as they became complacent and more involved in political matters in the Old Republic. I'm right on board with this because that is the uh, vibe I've always got from the prequels and Clone Wars cartoon. The Jedi, despite their supposed wisdom and Zen-like inner peace, act very aggressive and petty for the most of the uh, Old Republic era that we have seen. With some exceptions, Qui-Gon Jinn is such an exception. Uh, I think that this also leads directly to 
Anakin's rise through the ranks of the Jedi Order. Does he really display the traits of a Jedi Master as we understood the term from the original trilogy? Not in my book, he doesn't. He progresses from Padawan to Jedi Knight to Jedi Master primarily through his aggression and combat skills. The main Jedi trait he possesses is his ability to kill robots effectively. So despite Yoda's warning about anger being the path to the dark side, there's a whole lot of anger on display from the Jedi in this period. So yeah, I can get on board with the idea that Vader's uh, fate of quote-unquote balance was to cut the chaff from the wheat and bring the order back into line uh, with what it was meant to be. Heck, Vader w- uh, becomes more like a Jedi in some ways after he goes Sith. We see, uh, see him meditating in The Empire Strikes Back, for example, and he displays a good bit of wisdom as well, admittedly while killing his subordinates, but still. Just my thoughts. I could be way off base here. No, I, you know, I don't think well, you are. I think he's pretty off. much on the nose there. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I definitely do. And he answered a question for me. This was a question I had posed a while ago, and I had never heard an answer. And he uh, he came for uh, came through for us. He says, as far as Mace Windu's mysterious connection to Lando Calrissian, he says from Wikipedia, says before signing on uh, as Mace Windu for Star Wars Episode One, the M- uh, the yeah, I almost said the Empire Strikes Back. I wish <laughs> the Phantom Menace. So Samuel L. Jackson was slated to appear in a cameo as Grando Calrissian, Lando's father. Oh man, I'm glad that would yeah. it would only been worse if he was his grandfather. Oh man, Grando Calrissian. Uh, oh my God, that's horrible. He said, "Thank the chaos god Hashut, they did not do this." He says, "Not because Mace Windu is so great." Because let's face it, he ain't. Well, he's way better than Grando Calrissian, <laughs> that's for sure. But because this would have really stunk could, for Lando Calrissian, who is a character I dig. Could you imagine the groan that would have gone through the audience when they're like, Anakin, meet Grando Calrissian. Uh, it, it, <laughs> we got another black guy in the movie, and he just happens to be Calrissian, too. <laughs> he's related to the other one. Oh, man. He says, I think Chris hit the nail on the head this episode when he called Lando a guy who gets by with his wits and fists. I have no problem with Billy D. Williams coming back for episode seven because Lando strikes me as the kind of guy who even after 30 years, uh, or excuse me, even 30 years after the Battle of Endor, will still be out there wheeling, dealing, and making money. Mm-hmm. More so oh, than yeah. Han Solo, uh, who has picked up a lot of responsibilities in the wake of Endor, while Lando is still a freewheeling cat. As far that's as we good, know. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, then they'll show him and he lives in a trailer park and has like eight kids or something. Run off with Mala and has little half Wookiees. <laughs> <laughs> and now, some top three list ideas. Uh-oh. This is what I felt bad that we had missed last time around. Oh, God, I'm going to have to rack my brain yeah, now, I guess. Yeah. All right, so he's got top three droids. Top oh. three monsters, i.e. Rancor, Dubak, Tauntaun, etc. Top three cool-looking aliens or alien races. He says, yeah, big shock. I asked for robots and, and monsters, he says. He says, uh, I'd like to make some suggestions for topics to cover, but I've never read any Dark Horse Star Wars comics, so it's all new to me. Thanks for the fun show, and that's from Luke Giaconetti. 
So, top three droids. Man, man. See, I'm not... I did not do any prep for this at all, so I don't know. What, oh, yeah, you, what do you got, man? Me. I mean, does Valance the cyborg? He's a cyborg. He doesn't really count as a droid. Okay, what was the female droid that made C-3PO cry? Ellie. Ellie. <laughs> Ellie Vader. You got Ellie. Yeah. You got um, Mastercom. Mastercom was pretty was, cool. kind of cool. That was from the wheel, right? Yeah. Oh, I know. I thought of one. I, I can't remember what his designation was, but the uh, the robot that sells them out when they go to... Remember when they're, they come to Kiro's planet, the water planet, and then they go to the neighboring planet to oh, right. the boss rebel guy, and that droid who belonged to that rebel guy sells them out to the Empire. What about Droid World? That was full of cool droids. Uh, was it? <laughs> At least on the cover. <laughs> yeah, the cover was good because they all look like those that that last wave of Micronaut figures. Yeah, really yeah. freaky ones, the Freakonauts or whatever they were called. There, yeah. <laughs> I, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. You watch. I'll think of fifteen. Well, you know what I did think of since last episode, and I felt like an idiot was one of the categories that we read i can't remember if it was one i made up or one that somebody submitted in but one of the categories was your top three least favorite characters and i went through this whole impassioned thing about how i'd taken all this time to blah 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 and i missed the one that i've been harping on for at least seven episodes i missed um bay Oh, Bay God. was not one of the. He was even in the comic that we talked. He, we even bitched about how how much he sucked, and then I forgot to oh, put him on my list. Right. Yeah, he sucked so, all right. Yeah, Bay should have been my number one, and I don't know how he escaped that list. I don't even remember what the list was now, but I know he wasn't on it, and he should have been number one. So I'm going to correct that oversight right now. Let's see. The other one is uh, top three monsters. This one, I, this one was easy. Can't think any. Oh, oh! I thought you. I was waiting for you to oh, right, well, go ahead. Your list. Fine, right. <laughs> Not in any particular order. I've got uh, the sea well, serpent. That Godzilla monster was great. That was one. Of, that was my honorable mention. The behemoth. Yeah, the from behemoth. yeah from the uh, man. I can never remember the name of that story. Um, the sea serpents from the water world, mm-hmm. I thought they were really awesome. Um, Gundarks, we actually got to see what Gundarks look like in this series. And I love those guys. I think they're cool. And I was so ticked when they had Gundarks on the Clone Wars TV show and they look nothing like those guys. They look like a giant bat, essentially. I thought that was yeah. lame. I like how the Gundarks looked in Marvel Star Wars. And then I hope this isn't a cheat because this is actually a creature from the films, but I always liked that you got to actually see a lot more of the dewbacks in the comics, and I love the way the dewback is given Luke the evil eye on the cover of uh, number thirty-one, where where Luke and the droids are crouching I, under this like outcropping. Yeah. Above them is a stormtrooper on patrol and then a stormtrooper riding a dewback and the dewback's looking at Luke like, Mmm, I'm going to eat you. I love it. Um, see, I'm going to not have names. 
<laughs> Remember that that goofy little spindly armed lizard guy that uh, the droids and um, the darker I found the darker. That's right. That was a good monster. Um, there were space termites. Oh yeah, I love the. Oh man, I can't believe I, what were they called? Rock mites or stone something mites? Or like something like that, like asteroid yeah, mites or something. I love yeah. that issue. Yeah, I forgot about those. Yeah, that was actually because yep. they were eating the falcon. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So that's three for me, counting Godzilla. <laughs> All right. The Bohemoth. All right, this last one. The Bocephus. Man, this last one was tough. Top three cool-looking aliens or alien races. I'm going to cheat and say that I loved just about any alien that um, Carmine Infantino did that had, like, the bat wing ears. You know what I mean? Oh, I thought you were going to say that had boobs. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. But, you know, he did a lot of aliens that were just, like, your generic, like, like scaly-skinned alien. Yeah. Like, like bat wing-shaped ears. I always thought they were really cool. I mean, they're not any specific race and a lot of them were you know they were slightly different like some would have horns and some would be red some would be green that sort of thing but i i always liked the look of Car- carmine infantino's aliens um as far as specific ones i always thought the zeltrons were a really good invention a really that was going to be my number one because that's if i was going to go to any one world it would be zeltros yep and uh don't laugh i actually like the nagai a lot i thought the nagai were pretty cool and uh, one of the, the reasons I always really liked them was there was that promotional um, image. I don't know if it was ever a poster. If it was, i got to get a copy of it. But it was that great promotional image um, when they were starting to shake up Star Wars toward the end. It was a Cynthia Martin picture of Lumaya standing with uh, a bunch of the guy around her. And they, they were a little more fully realized and a little more punk rock in that particular image than they eventually turned out to be in the comics. But uh, but I always liked them. I, I, I well, let's not forget Hoojibs. Those are pretty good yeah. alien race. Yeah, I like the Hoojibs a lot. Yeah. Is that it? Was that it? Was there the, the, uh, For some reason, I thought there was another category that he had. Uh, no, it was, uh, it was droids, monsters, and cool-looking aliens, or aliens, okay. as he says. All right, cool. Cool. That wasn't that hard. That wasn't too bad. And let's see. With that, I think... Yeah, I think that pretty much wraps us up here. As far as preamble goes, do we have anything else, you think? Well, I don't got nothing. All right, well, why don't we take a little break, and we'll come back with... Uh, Marvel Comics Star Wars Annual Number One. King size annual. <laughs> Fit for a king.
Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? Humans make illogical decisions. Destruction sequence completed and engaged. No! Yes, I found Mr. Spock. I'm talking to Mr. Spock in his hand. Starfleet, do you read? This is the Enterprise. We are under attack. Fireman Scott. Star Trek Monthly Monday, covering every episode of the classic original TV series in randomly selected order, on the second Monday of every month, at twotruefreaks.com. Alright, welcome back to Star Wars Monthly Monday, number 53, and as you know, we wound up uh, the official Marvel Star Wars comic run last month. But, don't worry, it's not really over. Now it's like <laughs> a sort of bonus round or a little walk down memory lane as we sort of slingshot back in time to 1979 and Star Wars Annual Number 1, which we have not covered yet. So, um, bringing you the synopsis to this is, uh, well, who else is there besides me <laughs> but Scott Gardner? <laughs> That's right, Star Wars Annual Number 1. This was on sale, according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, this was on sale December 4th, 1979. Now, this actually came out for sale between issues 32 and 33 of the series, but putting it in what I feel is probably its its logical place in the canon, you know, the, its logical place in the in the sequence of events, this probably fits better between issues thirty four and thirty five. So that's that's how I'm going to call it. Original cover price on this one was an outrageous seventy five cents. I can remember that being like really crazy at the time. As a matter of fact, I don't think I got this particular issue off the stands. I'm pretty sure that this was a back issue uh, hunt for me uh, years later. Um, I'm not even sure if I remember seeing this on the stands, but if I did, I probably did not have a spare 75 cents in order to buy it at that time. That really was a lot of money for a comic book back in uh, 79, as funny as that may sound today. 
Let's see here. Cover on this one is by Walt Simonson. And I think this is actually a really cool cover. It's, uh, it's both really Star Wars and not really Star Wars, both at the same time. You've got... We're looking at Luke from behind. This almost looks like a, like a modern-day video game image, like one of those, like what do they call it, the third-person perspective? Yep, yep. He's standing behind Luke. He's got his lightsaber upraised. It's actually colored blue for a change, which is nice. I mean, that's what it was in, in the movie and everything, but uh, for some reason they could never get the damn thing colored right in the comics. Even there up in the in the... In the image box up in the top left corner, Luke's holding a red lightsaber, and you know, thunder, it's a uh, Luke the Barbarian, Thunder Skywalker up there with his red lightsaber. Anyway, Luke's holding his lightsaber, and he's being attacked by two creatures that look like a, a, a cross between like a lion and the man wolf. And then up in the sky, there's this green. She almost looks like the She Hulk with a with a red mohawk. And she's got big, like, uh, pterodactyl wings, and she's holding this big, sinister-looking blaster. And then all these big bubble shapes in the background. It's it's an odd cover, but again, Luke looks really cool. If you could isolate just the Luke part of it, it looks really awesome. I, I like the rest of it, you know, with, with Luke. It's, it's, it's the coloring, I think, that kind of throws me off on this one a little bit. Anyway, credits on this one. We've got Chris... Claremont, yes, that's right. Chris Claremont of the Uncanny X-Men fame. He's the guest writer on this one. Mike Vosberg and Steve Lealoha are the guest artists. John Costanza's letter. Bob Sharon, colorist. Archie Goodwin, editor. Jim Shooter, consulting editor. So, return with us now to those wild and woolly days of the rebellion against the Empire, where the sound of the Death Star's destruction still reverberates through the galaxy as we join our Star Wars for yeah, Star Wars can't talk for a little tale called The Long Hunt. Our story begins with Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa, again clad in their gear from the first film wandering the busy alien-clogged avenues of the planet Tehran, where they've set down upon to re- uh, to resupply. Man, that just doesn't read right. I'm like George Lucas. I can write this shit, but then I can't say it later on. <laughs> the farm boy and the princess take in the sights of the legendary street fair and are in turn recognized by a bounty hunter. Unaware of their danger, the pair continue on through the festival until they cross paths with the Majestrix of Sky, a green-skinned, winged punk rocker who drops her pocketbook as she knocks Leia aside. Luke, thinking it is Leia's pocketbook, bends to scoop it up and is accused by the Majestrix of being a pickpocket, and suddenly the chase is on. Leia and Luke are pursued by the Majestrix bodyguards, the Catamen weird catmen who run the pair ragged until eventually they are cornered in a dark alley it looks like the end of the road for our heroes when suddenly it's han solo and chewbacca the wookie to the rescue the pair dispatch the catamen and scoop up the injured luke and take him and the princess back to the millennium falcon han explains that the droids had been eavesdropping on the local spy net and keeping tabs on luke and leia that's how han and chewie knew that they were in trouble while Leia tends to Luke, 
Han checks on a noise outside the ship and opens the door only to be greeted by Misty Knight of Power Man and Iron Fist. Well, not really, but if you know what Misty Knight looks like, got the perfect visual for this character. Her name is actually Katya, and she is an old friend and possibly even old flame of Han Solo's. Luke regains consciousness and relates the beginning of the issue to Han and Katya. At the mention of the Majestrix, the pair's uh, demeanor suddenly shifts and they go off to discuss this turn of events in private. Han confesses to being scared and, after advising Katya to lift off by dawn if he doesn't return, he sets off on a mysterious mission, alone. Unfortunately, while he's gone, a weird shape-shifting cloud creature in the form of a demon sneaks silently aboard the Millennium Falcon and absorbs Katya. Luke senses her death cry through the Force and charges into her guest quarters, but is too late to save her. The demon, now in corporeal form, battles Luke, then Chewbacca, and then even shrugs off a blaster bolt fired by Leia. Seemingly unstoppable, the creature descends upon the helpless Luke and Leia. In desperation, Luke fumbles for and activates his lightsaber right in the monster's midsection. The energy blade destroys the creature, but its psychic scream uh, severely rattles Luke and he goes into shock. Han returns and, learning of the death of his old friend, determines to take the fight to his enemy. After blasting off from Tehran without permission, and had this become a cliche in Star Wars yet by this time? Because it sure is now. Uh, Han relates the tale of how, years ago, he and Katya came to find themselves on the restricted world of Sky. They had been part of a smuggling crew that sneaked onto the planet looking for fast, easy takings. Instead, what they found was death at the hands of Sheris or Karis, or how the hell do you think this woman's name is, is pronounced, Chris? It's K-H-A-R-Y-S. Is that Karis? Francine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Majestrix and her winged people who hunted the smuggler crew for sport and killed all but Han and Katya, who somehow escaped. It's never explained how. And Han says he's been running ever since. But no more. With Katya's death, he's taking the fight to Francine. <laughs> somehow, again, inexplicably, Francine appears in the spacious cockpit of the Millennium Falcon via hologram just to taunt our heroes. She fades away just as the ship exits hyperspace and is attacked by Imperial TIE fighters. With Luke still out of commission, Leia mans the quad guns and gives a valiant effort, but the Falcon is overpowered by the enemy ships. Artificial gravity gone, shields failing, and on fire, the Millennium Falcon tumbles end over end towards the surface of Sky. Han orders Leia, Luke, and the droids into a life pod and launches them to safety, sacrificing himself and Chewbacca as the ties return to pummel the Millennium Falcon to space dust. Later, on the planet, Luke and Leia awake to find themselves held prisoner by the Sky... Sky Tree? Sky... Sky Tree? Uh, these names suck. I'm going to say Sky Tree. Uh, the winged people of Sky. One of the blue-skinned males, Arag, and I like that name, actually, Arag, 
He arrives. <laughs> sounds like one of Chewie's lines. <laughs> it sounds like he's choking on a chicken bone. <laughs> arrives to escort them to the council to decide their fate. Chapter two begins with Luke and Leia facing the council and having to answer for the crime of violating Skytree space. They try to bullshit their way out of it by saying that they were on a diplomatic mission because that trick always works. Uh, but were shot down before they could properly identify themselves. But a rag, he's the smart one. He already knows who Leia is because he happens to have a pristine mint Imperial Wanted poster with her face on it. The jig is up, and the pair is sentenced to be turned over to the Imperials. However, the female on the council, her name is Deverin, one of the few names that's actually easy to pronounce in this whole friggin' issue... Deverin has possession of Luke's lightsaber and demands to know his name. Luke Skywalker, he says, and suddenly the council chamber is abuzz. They converse in their own language, which Luke and Leia don't understand, and after hearing that Han and Chewie didn't die, uh, but are instead being held in the Majestrix's uh, fortress... Luke earns some honor brownie points or something when he pledges to go rescue his friends no matter the cost, and he convinces the council that he is, quote-unquote, the one. So they're all buddies now. The Sky Tree agree to assist our heroes in freeing their friends. At Sherris's place, or Karis's place, or Francine's place... <laughs> She is busy torturing Han for information about Luke, the boy who destroyed the Death Star, to present to her master, Darth Vader. Meanwhile, a rag and his warriors, accompanied by Luke and Leia in Acme Batman suits, right out of that old Wiley Coyote cartoon. No, I mean, seriously, where the hell do the winged people... I mean, what do they need flight suits for? They have wings. So what? what possible use would it be for them to have these wing suits for Luke and Leia to wear I, that was like I like the story up to that point but that almost took me out of it you know what I mean anyway yeah. so all together they, uh, they storm the fortress and take out as many stormtroopers as they can it's all a distraction however to allow Leia to sneak inside and search for Han Solo and she finds him, and he's being tortured by one of those uh, Imperial interrogator droids, just like Darth Vader had used on her in the first film, and she's kind of pissed about it. Uh, but before she can act, the Cataman attack and uh, proceed to use Leia as a scratching post. She does manage to squeeze off a shot, though, and it hits uh, one of the cat dudes, and it knocks him into this uh, this machine that, that frees Chewbacca. Chewbacca was nearby, and he was all shackled to the wall and everything. But when this cat guy flies into the machine and gets electrocuted, then it frees Chewbacca. So Chewie's free, and he chokes the shit out of one of the catamen. Actually chokes him to death, it looks like. And then together, he and uh, Leia free uh, Han Solo, who's all weak and woozy. Outside, Francine is, uh, you know, she's pretty steamed to find that her forces are being decimated by one lone boy. And so she fires and she disarms Luke, uh, you know, from his blaster with uh, with these throwing star things that she has. 
which, uh, you know, th- that's a first right there, throwing stars in Star Wars. Yeah, they're not throwing star things, they're throwing stars. Throwing stars, they yeah. call them throwing stars in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. And uh, and then, sh- then she takes to the air to, to actually confront Luke, and it turns out that she wields both the Force and the lightsaber, which is pretty cool. She's got a red lightsaber. And uh, we're, we're treated to some pretty cool uh, aerial fight scenes, you know, between the two of them. But eventually, of course, Luke does her in. And Sherris, or Francine, <laughs> the Majestrix, is dead. And the Sky Tree, uh, well, they no longer feel obligated to side with the Imperials now that she's out of the way. So Luke and company have made new pals and possibly gained powerful new allies. Although we'll never see these guys. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But wait a minute, before we're done, what about that The One business? Well, it turns out that during the Clone Wars, three Jedi Knights helped save Sky from destruction. One was Obi-Wan Kenobi, and the other two were his pupils. In gratitude, the Sky Tree swore eternal friendship and fealty to them. Much later, one of the pupils returned and told them that Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Jedi were destroyed by his hand and evoked the oath so that the Skytree would be under Imperial control. This, of course, was Darth Vader, who set up Sherris to rule in his stead. And Obi-Wan's other pupil asked Luke, who was he? Young one, Arag, replies, you wear his saber. And that's the end of Marvel Star Wars Annual number one. What uh, what did you think of this one? Oh, I had a riot with this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, I, I think the art might have been... It could have gone either way, but with Leia Aloha's inks. Mm-hmm. This guy's not the most talented with faces, but he's not bad. But he's great with buildings and backgrounds. Yes. And I like this style. This was very 1979 style with dense, detailed art. And I just I just I just thought it was a riot. It's goofy in parts, of course, but it's kinda neat to go backwards into it's kinda neat to be going back a few years in the development of Star Wars comics, you know, into a into pre-empire times here right just pre-empire times see i i really wish that i'd had time to reread this or that maybe we had covered this at some point before the last megacon because i actually got to meet chris claremont Mm-hmm. And I had this book on the pile of things to take to to try to get signed by him, and I ended up taking it off the the pile um, for two reasons. For one, you know, I, I always have that fear, although it's 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 a pretty goofy one, really, that they're going to ask me about the comic, and then if you don't know it or you haven't read it or you know whatever, then you look like an idiot, you know. Which never really happens, but I still always have that fear. But the other thing was, I didn't have fond memories of this issue. I I couldn't remember what it was about, but I could remember that I didn't like it when I read it as a kid. 
I don't know why, because now I think it's actually pretty cool. I really enjoyed yeah. this issue a lot, but I do remember as a kid or, or whenever I got the issue and read it for the first time that I, I didn't dig it, that I didn't like it. It's weird. It's got lots of elements of uh, that smoke demons out of something out of a Frank Miller story. Yeah. Then it's got the Hawkman from Flash Gordon. <laughs> it's that. It, I mean, the flat out the stormtrooper looking through the sunglasses or sunglasses, his binoculars, and seeing them all fly toward. It's right out of the end of Flash Gordon with the Hawkman attacking. But uh, I I enjoyed the hell out of it. I enjoyed it. I I love the art in it. I think I think it's basically Leia Aloha who who really you know do- probably doctored it up because it looks like his style you know mm-hmm. overlaid over over somebody else's. But I had a hoot. This issue is dense, man. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of shit that happened. It reminded me a lot of that. Um the Dead of Honor, the Star Trek graphic novel that we read by Claremont not long ago on Star Trek Monthly Monday, because that was the same type of thing. That was really, really a dense read, too. Yeah, he, he really plots it up. He keep he has a lot of things happen in this. I mean, this could have been a, this could have been like a mini, you know, these days, this mm-hmm. would be like a four or six issue miniseries, mm-hmm. you know, and he did it all in one issue. But it was good. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on, but I enjoyed it. It's, uh... It was a monster to write up the synopsis on it because there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff that happens in this. Um, I found it was really interesting. Let me see if I can see what page it was. It was on page seven where Luke and Leia are running away from the catamen. There's that weird perspective shot where we're looking down mm-hmm. from several levels high in this city, looking down at like the central plaza or something. Yeah, it's of a very Judge Dredd looking city it reminded me this this is kind of like proto coruscant isn't it because mm-hmm. the description here and you know one of the things i like about uh about claremont's writing is i mean the guy's verbose but he really paints a picture and there's word boxes here you know the caption boxes there's four of them and man they're just packed to overflowing with exposition but the description of the of the planet and the way he describes it as being this multi-leveled you know city planet type of thing really strongly got me to to thinking about Coruscant which I'm not sure where Coruscant exactly came into canon I I think in the Zahn novel so I mean this kind of predicted all that by by a long way ahead but it's the same sort of idea that you know the elite and the and the privileged and the you know the the uh, rich people and such lived in all the upper levels, and then the deeper you got down into the planet is more where the scummy element was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's very much a, a Coruscant type of thing. What was really cool is you know, <laughs> I'm, it's probably famously so by now uh, on this show but you know my memory is is horrible you know as i as i as often demonstrated on this show but i was really proud of myself in this scene where uh on page nine here where han opened the door and uh katya you know kind of jumps into his arms and everything as soon as she appeared i was like i think i've heard of this character before so i looked it up and sure enough She's briefly mentioned in uh, 
that AC Crispin Han Solo trilogy that I was talking about not long ago that I liked so much. Now, of course, this is her first appearance and everything here, but I didn't remember her at all from this. So chronologically, her first appearance is actually in that AC Crispin uh, uh, Han Solo trilogy, and I thought that was really cool. That uh, I, I didn't realize um, just how much Crispin pulled in from from all existing uh, canon and all existing Han Solo um, material. That I read everything there was. Yeah. There, there's only so much you could read up to to that point, you know. Yeah. Brian, da- what was it? Brian Daly Brian books. Daly, yeah, yeah. She heavily incorporated those. I mean, she actually fit those into the timeline of her trilogy so as not to contradict them, which mm-hmm. I thought was, you know, that's that's classy. I thought that was really cool. I guess it shouldn't have surprised me. I mean, because she did pull in, uh, you know, she pulled in Rick Duell, and she pulled in. Um, What's it, guys? Dash Rendar. So I guess it shouldn't surprise me that she pulled this character in, too. But, I mean, this this woman is pretty obscure. I mean, she's around for a grand total of, what, like three pages in this? Three or four pages, off. yeah, before she gets absorbed. Yeah. That demon thing, I was trying to think of what it reminded me of. It reminded me of, like, a Tom, Mandir- uh, you know, Tom Mandrake creature. Or maybe even something from... Uh, Something that somebody like Byrne would do or something back in the old Charlton days or something. But it, it has a distinct look. I'm just not sure how to describe yeah. it. But it look, it does look really cool. Well, he's mostly black. Yeah. He's mostly made of just thick black ink, and then the rest of him is colored red. Yeah. So it gives him kind of a satiny, daredevilish yeah. look. Yeah. yeah. Or that he's made out of hot, fiery smoke sort of thing. Right, yeah. Well, to me, I thought one of the coolest elements of this whole thing was we get to see something here that, at least in the comics, we'll never, ever see again. And that was the uh, the Falcon actually launching a life pod. I thought mm-hmm. that was cool as hell. It's a and pretty it looks... roomy life pod, too. Yeah, the, it is. From what I pictured, I pictured something more of like the droids. Yeah. yeah. Especially for a blockade runner, those were little teeny tiny things, and the Falcon's got this whole like sedan yeah, it does. It's uh, it's weird. It's yeah. I, I I'm I'm with you. I would have pictured something very much like a like a, a version of the life pod we saw in the yeah. first movie, but even smaller, more like like you know torpedo t- size. You know, just big enough for a body, and that's about just it. Big enough to cram a few people in and shoot out. Yep. Yeah, this thing's like captain's yacht or something <laughs> flying mm-hmm. up, but it's cool looking though. It's uh it actually looks a lot like the travel pod from uh from uh Star Trek the Motion Picture and Star Trek 2, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. Hey, um if you want to turn the dirty part of your mind on. Uh-oh. Page 18, top of the page. Page 18. Tell me the artist wasn't like I'm just going to throw this in here for my own amusement. Let's see. What are we looking at? First first panel, Princess Leia. I don't know. It's a little suggestive to me. Let's see. What is she saying here? It's not what she's saying. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. What? Whoa. whoa what's she doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that that you got to just see that to even. I'm not even going to try to describe that, but yeah, that's not right. Yeah, it's 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 like a coincidence type of thing, or not, uh, or not, or it was the artist going hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's essentially it's very Leia, yeah Leia's kind of kind of it almost looks like she's eating a banana but not quite a banana it's, yeah, yeah she could be smoking a bong or something but that's <laughs> not really what it evoked in me when I looked at it yeah I can't believe I missed that too I'm usually on the lookout for usually, <laughs> yeah I was gonna say you're usually on top of that shit <laughs> Oh, uh, let's see. Han Solo, tortured before the Empire Strikes yep. Back. I thought that was worth mentioning. Yep. And also, like, a sort of pre-Jedi, you know, Han Solo, like, at post, well, like, in Jedi, it was post-Carbonite, but still a a woozy and, you know, incapacitated Han Solo, just sort of being goofy and you know, recovering. Right. Which reminded me a lot of Jedi. I think I finally solved one of my own personal mysteries. And you know what, damn it, this was another thing that I forgot to do on our top three list from last time. I wanted to have something on there like top three greatest unsolved mysteries of, of Marvel Star Wars or something to that effect because I purposely wanted to talk about things that we had questions about but never got answered. And my number one on that list would have been where the hell did Luke's lightsaber that he had post The Empire Strikes Back, where did it come from? We were promised an answer to that and we never did get one. So I'm going to no prize this myself for my own sanity so that oh, this keeps me awake okay. at night. Going. That it's hers. That it's Francine's. He took Francine's yep. lightsaber, yeah. Exactly, because he defeats her, and she she he basically stabs her in the abdomen, is what it looks like, with his lightsaber, and then she drops hers and plummets out of the sky, dead. So I'm thinking either then and there, or... Later, after um, the Empire Strikes Back, when he really needed it, he came back to Sky and uh, and claimed her lightsaber. And all he would have had already, already claimed it. He might have already claimed it. Yeah, he may have. There's no mention of it, but that's that saber. That'll had make you sleep better so, at night, though. Yeah, won't exactly. It? Yeah, I'll be able to sleep now. Let's see, let's see. Actually, that was about it for my notes on this from beyond the fact this, I think, I could be wrong, but I think this is the first time that I ever saw, and I think it's the first time they ever published pictures Mm -hmm. of some of the covers of the UK version of Star. This may have been... Too bad they're so tiny that you yeah. that they're hard to and dark that they're hard to make out. Some of them are gorgeous covers; you just can't really tell. But this, uh, what it says here, is a special bonus cover gallery. It says, uh, as some of you may know, Marvel also publishes Marvel uh, Star Wars comics in or Star Wars in England. And you know, I don't think I knew that. I think I may have learned that from this issue. It says, as a black and white weekly comic. 
To meet that schedule, stories which have been printed as single issues in the U.S. are broken up and run in shorter segments. Uh, thus, one issue of the American comic will be several issues of the British comic and will need more than one cover. And so we are pleased to present this bonus gallery of covers from England's Star Wars Weekly. And man, some of these are just awesome. I'm trying to remember if I actually have... Yeah, I do have some of these because that one... Which is your favorite of these? Which one's my favorite? Let's see. On a quick look... Oh, that's easy. I've got a favorite. I've got a favorite, like an easy favorite. Yeah, my easy favorite is the one on the top right of page 47, the one of Vader kicking Valance the Cyborg off the platform and into that that chemical, like that lava chemical crap that kills him. My, that's, my, that's, oh, that's awesome. My my favorite's the one right next to it with Chewie. The- <laughs> is Chewbacca dead? You'll it's learn like the week, <laughs> You'll it's learn. like Star Wars Weekly World News. <laughs> That's what it says too. It looks like Chewie's sad too. It looks like he's crying. Is Chewbacca? Somebody dead? just dumped some garbage and Kazam. <laughs> you need to Kazak. Photoshop this because what it needs to say is Star Wars Weekly World News, and then it, instead of saying Chewbacca dead, it should say, "Is Chewbacca's ghost crying murder from the grave?" <laughs> I have looked for that commercial. I um, have too. I have spent hours on YouTube find that damn thing, and I can't find it. How many times did we smash some insanely valuable Mego figure, and just before the rock hit it, we'd go, Mayday. <laughs> well, you know, I could find Zoltek. On YouTube, and I can't I find that. Come on, we can have a listener dig up um, a doy, and yes, that's right, that's right. We it, we should be like unsolved mysteries or something, or nerd mysteries, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I cannot find what dig we're talking about. The... For anybody that doesn't know, what we're talking about is um. Is that on my end or your end? I keep hearing that little doink sound when uh, when something plugs or unplugs from the. Computer. I hear that too, but I don't know. That was weird. What it is I don't have anything plugged in, so it must be you. Must I didn't hear it that time. I've heard it before oh. though, a couple times. Um, what we're talking about is <laughs> back when we were kids, they used to run these commercials on TV all the time for um, the National Enquirer. You know, it was a it was a TV commercial for the the newspaper, and they, and they were these, awful oh, cheap were, were commercials. Awful. You know what's actually funny is the one I did find on. Uh, there are some of that are on YouTube, but one of them I found was a very very early um, uh, commercial with uh, with uh, Gates McFadden, um, Doctor Crusher from Star Trek: The Next Generation, doing one of those where she's the one at the end that goes. Um, I want to know, you know. Where it's, I want to know. Yeah, you minds want to. I want to know. But they used to do these stupid commercials, and they would read the headlines, and then they'd have like a a, a cheesy little animation similar to like the old uh, My Cars video. Yeah, but you know, remember what was the name of that one? Uh, you might think. You might remember? think. Yeah, and they, that's what the animation looked like in those commercials. And there was one that's the the, the commercial said. Is Marilyn Monroe's ghost crying murder from the grave? And then she would go, 
murder. And it was the stupidest thing. It was used horrible. to mock it mercilessly all it was, the time. It was like one of those Monty Python animations where they just had like they cut a slit on her mouth and just like, right. <laughs> And as if we don't understand her ghost crying murder from the grave, they have to, gra- you know, literally do it right after, you know, they have to show you the ghost and, and the ghost has to cry out murder. <laughs> it was pretty cheesy. Yeah, but we've remembered it for 35 years or whatever. <laughs> so there you go. It worked. I, I didn't, didn't get me to buy it, but no, worked as far as, you know, the memory tool part of it. Oh, let's see. All right. Well, the uh, the big thing with this issue, the the thing that uh, that most people have taken away from it is once the Empire Strikes Back came out, there yep. seems to be a big discrepancy in this issue. The fact that Obi Wan came to this planet with both Anakin Skywalker. Who you know wasn't even named that at this point. He was just you know Luke's father with Luke's father and Darth Vader, who we didn't know yet were one and the same person. Because you know in the original Star Wars, yeah, Darth it, Vader killed Anakin, right? You know, so he you know Obi Wan very much set it up to where there were he did have at least two two pupils. So that was contradicted later on. Well, one of the great things, and I, I think. Uh, uh, Josh Bertoni uh, did a really good job of pointing this out before. Is one of the things that's that's cool about Star Wars fandom is that they will jump through whatever hoops they need to to retcon things and, for the most part, make it work as much as they can whenever they can. But I didn't know what the actual retcon on this was. I figured there had to be one, but I just there was. It was no kind of stupid, if I remember it. Well, I, I did some digging around, and there may be more than one, but this is the one I found. I actually found this site that I thought was pretty cool. Um, I don't know what the actual web address is, but if you Google the Star Wars Dissection dash retcons, that's the name of the article, and it really is just an article about Star Wars retcons. And I found this to be really interesting because there's a lot of this stuff I had no idea. You know, I, I knew that. There were a lot of hoops that have been jumped through over the years as far as trying to straighten... Like, Boba Fett's a big one. Boba Fett's a mess, continuity-wise. So reading some of this was really interesting. But I was, of course, concerned with this particular story. How in the hell do you reconcile this? I think they actually did a pretty creative job. It says here, The history of Anakin Skywalker, later Darth Vader, uh, also has an interesting collection of retcons. Like the other retcons discussed, many of these retcons come from earlier information revealed in the films contradicting expanded universe material published earlier, uh, easily the most forgivable type of retcon. Uh, the first retcon I will discuss is Anakin and Vader being one and the same. This seems like a no-brainer. Anakin fell to the dark side and became Darth Vader. It's the plot of the entire saga. But in Episode 4, Obi-Wan strongly implies that Anakin was a Jedi Knight and friend of Obi-Wan, and Vader was an entirely different person who was Obi-Wan's apprentice. Vader fell to the dark side and murdered Anakin. 
Vader's relationship with Anakin was completely omitted from the pre-Episode uh, 5 Expanded Universe, except for one instance, Marvel Star Wars Annual Number 1, The Long Hunt. It says, apparently, Obi-Wan visited the planet Sky during the Clone Wars with his two students, Darth Vader and, quote-unquote, the man uh, whose lightsaber uh, Luke was wearing. And the Skateri, he see he he even spells it different. He spells it as Skytiri. Uh, I, I called him Skytree because that's how it looked like it was spelled. Anyway, uh, remembered the name Skywalker. This was retconned in an interesting way. It seems that shortly before the battle, Anakin performed the Concordance of Fealty, a ritual of trust where Anakin traded lightsabers with another Jedi, in this case, Halagad Vantor. As a result, the two individuals with Obi-Wan at the Battle of Sky were Anakin and Halagad, uh, Darth Vader and the man whose lightsaber you're wearing. Uh, the only question this retcon raises is how the people of Sky knew Darth Vader if they only met him before his transformation. This leads me to believe that someone among them is very well connected in the Empire. So, I could only kind of make sense of that. I'm like, all right, uh, where the hell are they drawing this from? But it got me intrigued. So I looked up Halagad Ventor, who I I had no idea who the hell this guy was. All right, so this is from his Wikipedia entry. It says, during the Battle of Sky, Ventor served under Obi-Wan and alongside Anakin Skywalker, uh, rescued the planet from a genetic terrorist. In this battle, Ventor wielded Skywalker's lightsaber, the two Jedi swapping blades in a concordance of fealty. During the battle, Skywalker discovered the Force-sensitive child, uh, child Cheris and suggested to his master that she be trained as a Jedi. Ventor and Kenobi disagreed, believing, she, uh, believing her too old to pass the trials. They left the child on the planet, though Skywalker promised to train her when the wars was over. Uh, and then it goes on to, to talk about, you know, the history of this character beyond this. One of the cool things about these Wikipedia entries is that they'll treat the character in the first half of the article like they're real, giving them their biography and, and history and all that sort of thing. And then frequently there'll be a little thing afterwards that says behind the scenes. The behind the scenes on this guy was really interesting is that he, essentially this character is this guy named Abel Pena. And this guy had something to do with all those uh, West End games, those role-playing games that uh -huh. came out you know, years ago, uh, and added a, a whole different side and a whole different spectrum to the Star Wars expanded universe and everything. So essentially, this Halagad Ventor was created pretty much to fix this particular continuity gaffe. I, I kind of like that. I think that's, you know, that's some creative thinking there. I don't know how well it works. I guess. <laughs> but I, I thought it was interesting. What's fun? I'm happy with Gun. Ah, they wrote it before Empire. <laughs> exactly. Um, what's funny is, uh, again, it's like his 15th plug in this episode, but our buddy uh, Scott Rifen. I remember him saying something about this as well, that uh, this was one of those things that, that uh, you know, he was aware of and everything. 
And so I was kind of chatting with him the other day, and this is what he wrote me. He says, here's my theory. He says, he says when Vader returned, uh, he told them he was one of the three Jedi who had helped them. They assume he was the third, uh, the third one, who in my mind is Mace Windu. Says Anakin either didn't realize uh, they made that mistake, or the vestige of Vader that was still Anakin uh, wanted them to believe it, so uh, he let them assume that Vader was actually Mace Windu. Not sure I follow all of that, what he's saying, yeah. but I, again, I, I guess that works. <laughs> but one way or the sure. other, it, you know, there had to be, if you're going to retcon this in any way at all, there had to be somebody different uh, there. But what I thought was interesting was back to that very first article, the the dissection one, is how do the people of Sky, uh, you know, how, would, how did they know about Anakin becoming... Vader, I guess the one with the the Ventor article kind of makes it sound like, you know, if they did indeed switch lightsabers, then Vader sold out whoever the other Jedi was. I, I don't know. I'm not sure how that all works. But yeah, it, it's, it's too it. complicated for me. <laughs> it's too much work for something that like. You know, I go, oh, look, they did it before Empire and gave Anakin a goofy-ass haircut. <laughs> they just cut all his hair off and piled it on top of his head. <laughs> oh, that's right. There is actually a picture. There's a picture of him. I about that. Let's see. Let's go back. He's got some really bad hair. Well, is that supposed to be him or is that supposed to be uh, a rag? Because that, that's a rag's haircut, isn't it? Is it? Because you got you got Obi Wan, you got Vader, you got uh, what's your face, the uh, the Majestrix, Francine. Oh, okay. I thought they I thought they meant that to be Anakin. It could be, but if you look it's, at uh, if you he's, look at, he's the right color for a rag. Yeah, he's blue, and he you know a rag has his hair piled all yeah. on top like that. It's it's almost like a it's almost like a cross between a mohawk and a pompadour. Yeah, that's doofy. Yeah, because look at look at page twenty four, where a rag has taken them into the council chamber. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's who it's supposed okay, to be. Okay, good. Then it, then it doesn't even... Then, yeah, it's close enough for me. If that's not supposed to be Anakin, then it doesn't even... It bothers me even less. Maybe they <laughs> can't count. Maybe it was just Obi-Wan and, yeah. and Anakin, and they just... Maybe people's memories aren't that good on that planet. You know, maybe they don't have that good short-term memory. See, we are... remember the story right. Yeah. Totally right. Happens we, all the time and with oral histories. Yeah. Because we're getting all of this from their, you know, yeah, from talking. hearsay. It wouldn't hold up in court. No. <laughs> all right, well, that's all I got. You got anything else on this one? No, I'm pretty much exhausted all I got to say about this one. Cool. There is a cool hostess ad in there, but uh, we'll, we'll let that go for the sake of time. <laughs> All right, well, you want to take another little break, and we'll come back with the final part of this one? Sure. All right.
Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hardworking people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. This looks like a job for Superman. Let's roll! Let's hear it for Captain America! It's the Dying Man! It's the Rocketeer! Gentlemen, you're up. <laughs> Comics Monthly Mondays. Available the third Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.com. Hello and thank you for calling the Tales of the Justice Society of America 24-hour live human being customer service hotline. Hello, I... Unfortunately, all uh, of our representatives are sleeping. Or busy. Uh, busy. All of our representatives are busy right now. But if you stay on the line, your call will be answered in reverse Hungarian alphabetical order, starting with the letter... Bato. Okay. Your call is very important to us. Please stay on the line. Alright. Please continue to hold. Your call is extremely important to us. Please stay uh, on the line. Check us out on the web at www.twotruefreaks.com. Your call is ridiculously important to us. Yeah, if my call's so important, then why don't you answer it? What the f*** is taking so long? You may be asking yourself, what the f*** is taking so long? Um, Please be sure that while your call is of vital importance... Answer the goddamn... <laughs> Let me check, is he still there? Ah! Hey guys, he's still holding! Oh! We're sorry for your wait. Please continue to hold. God damn it! Tales of the Justice Society of America returns soon with brand new episodes. Stay tuned. Clouds of war gather ominously over Europe. The Great Depression grips the world. But one globe-trotting archaeologist thirst for adventure and discovery remains undaunted by his times. Stan Lee presents... The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones.
All right, welcome back to Marvel Star Wars number uh, 53. This is the final part of the show in which we are going to get into the further adventures of Indiana Jones. And before we get into that, I just want to give a quick shout-out. I did not know. This is, this is kind of an embarrassing shout-out. I did not know when I pitched the idea several months ago to uh, Chris here about us covering the further adventures of Indiana Jones. I had made the the same assumption that I did when we started doing Marvel Star Wars that this was virgin podcasting territory that nobody else out there uh had ever touched upon this material in any sort of, you know, regular ongoing expanded coverage like we were about to start doing. Little did I know I was wrong. It turns out that uh, our buddies over at the IndieCast, which is, uh, they're the big Indiana Jones podcast on the internet. Turns out, as of episode 131, I think, 131, 132, they have begun regular coverage of this series. And uh, I've been talking to uh, Keith Voss, who's one half of uh, the team that does the segment called The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones on the IndieCast. I've been talking with him and uh, man, it sounds like they do a hell of a show. They've been getting the creators and having the interviews and uh, and really covering this stuff in depth. So uh, if you have some time, go check those guys out. Let them know that Two True Freaks sent you. And uh, Keith and I are working on, hopefully at some point we'll do some sort of uh, crossover cross-promotion type of thing. And uh, I'd like to... Uh, See if maybe we can get those guys on sometime just to uh, talk a little bit of further adventures and uh, compare notes sort of thing. Because, uh, sure. yeah, they're really into it as well. But go, uh, you know, like them on uh, Facebook. Check out their uh, their Facebook page. Man, they got some awesome artwork they've got up on there. Uh, some original art pages and, and all kinds of cool stuff. So I haven't, as of this recording, I haven't had time. I mean, I just learned this very, very recently. So I haven't had time to actually uh, hear any of the uh, episodes of their coverage. And, of course... I won't listen past the point where we are already because I, I never want to be accused of, of ripping off somebody else's gig. But that being the case, I did want to go ahead and, and shout them out and make sure that uh, we had mentioned them. Because like I say, I had no idea that someone else uh, had already blazed this trail. So give those guys a listen, like I say, and, uh, and tell them we sent you know, over from Two True Freaks. Again, that's the IndieCast and their segment on there called The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones. Excellent. <laughs> Talk! Oh, so it's my turn. Okay. Yes. So, we are up to... we're all the way, So, at least you have, like, 11 episodes of theirs you can listen to before yep. they're caught up. And by the time you get caught up with that, it'll probably be a few months anyway. So, then you'll have a few more to listen to. Yep. So, uh, this month we're doing Further Adventures of Indiana Jones number 11... From November of, I, I was having a hard time reading this off my, off the CBR I was looking for. But November 1983, I think. Yep. 60 which was the, the normal price for 1983. We got a cover. It looks like it's it's well it's signed Carrie Gamble. It looks like it's um, Sam De La Rosa inks. Same sort a very John Burney looking cover to me yeah. especially the big muscle guy is very those muscles are John Burns style and uh, so we got 
Michelini, Plot and Script, our buddy. Carrie Gamble, Pencil, Sam De La Rosa, Inks. Joe Ryzen, Letters. Juliana Ferretti is the colorist. Louise Jones is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And this episode is called The Fourth Nail. Indy's in the Australian desert being uh, chased by angry, angry aborigines because he has stolen their sacred calendar ring for Marcus at the university, of course. And uh, they're just about to end him when they're slaughtered by, and stay with me on this, Arabic ninjas who spirit him to the cave hideout of their master, Ben Ali Ayub. And his cave is massive and festooned with art treasures from around the world. And he's turns out to be an admirer of Indy and heard that Indy was, uh, was in the neighborhood. And he would like to pay him to recover the legendary fourth nail from the crucifixion, which was the last nail they were supposed to drive into Jesus' heart, but a wandering gypsy stole it. And that's why the gypsies have been lucky ever since. So, uh, Indy sort of bought. If you can call living on the road and not having (laughs) open running water lucky, yeah, okay. Exactly, yes. So, uh, (laughs) long, long years of grifting and inbreeding. God's chosen people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hey, it works for Alabama. Indy, so Indy sort of balks at the deal, and uh, Ayub says no hard feelings and sort of sends him on his way. <laughs> no hard feelings, but then he tries to steal the uh, the the calendar from Indy, who just pulls out his gun, and Ayub says, Hey, <laughs> all right, I admire your style, kid. So meanwhile, uh, Marcus is back in America tempting Marion into an archaeology job with the promise that it will stick in Jones's craw. And they're interrupted by a package from Indy with the calendar in it and a note saying he is off to Barcelona. 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 My Barcelona has a good <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> to pursue Ayub's lead on the nail. While he's there, he finds his old buddy Torino, for, here, herewith will be known as Speedy Gonzalez, uh, running afoul of a mob who has been he's been fleecing with the old ball under the cap trick. They pursue Indy and Speedy into the into a cathedral, uh, where the two sort of make short work of the rowdy mob. But of course, there's one homunculus steroid monster who aims to crush Jones. So after nearly plummeting to his death, Indy lures the ox into a rotted roof and he falls through. Um, Speedy and he duck into the the sewers and. Uh, as after they walk for a while, Speedy disappears up a ladder, and when Jones follows him, he finds out that uh, Speedy is gone. He finds himself in the bullpens of a bullfight arena, and just as he plans to make his escape, he is faced by... What would you think? A giant pissed-off El Toro. Obviously, Indy is doomed, and the series of comics is over, because how can you survive that? That splash that final splash page is awesome that is one of my favorite indiana jones images ever and if i had just seen this on its own like posted on the internet or something i would bet cold hard cash that that was john Byrne. it 
mm-hmm. totally. There's a lot of moments in this that looks like John Byrne. Yeah. There's well, a I, picture of Marion in here. There's like Marion's face where she's just smiling. That's a pure John Byrne face. I I certainly wouldn't want Gamble to ever to ever feel slighted by my next comment, but I get the feeling that a lot of the gigs he gets or, or got back in this this period were because of his similarity to Byrne, because he seemed to make something of a of a career, whether it was intentional or hap- happenstance, I don't know of following Byrne, of being the next guy or one of the next mm-hmm. guys after Byrne would leave a project. It happened with this. It happened with Superman. I'm trying to think. Uh, well, their styles would be a smooth ones. transition. You know, it would be a smoother visual transition to put yeah. him on. Yeah, definitely. Power Man. That, Power Man was another one. Not long after Byrne left, he was on Power Man for a while. There's uh, there's an, uh, another one or two as well, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean... I like the guy's art a lot. I think he's a hell of an artist because he's he's close. I think this to- is some of his better art too. Oh, I think yeah. this, is, this issue is just full of some great. Well, go on. Th- that, there's some great faces in there. There's one where Indy's hauling himself up the side of the building mm-hmm. when uh, the big guy comes, yells like "Gringo" at him, and he's got this like grin, sort of like "Yeah, I survived that," but at the same time, he's got that like "I'm pulling myself up." It's very indie looking. It's mm-hmm. great. See, I love, love, love the cover on this. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, is I would swear, I have, I have said for years that there's another cover, and I thought that it was um, from a Jonah Hex issue, either Jonah Hex or Weird, Weird, War, uh, Weird Western Tales, that was almost this exact same cover, but I looked through all of those and could not find the cover that I was thinking of. But somewhere in my mind's eye, something tells me it's like a Batman. Maybe cover. it is, but I know somewhere there's another cover out there that's almost this exact same cover with the same angles and everything. Mm-hmm. But I love this. It's just it, it's you know it's this. Uh, Spanish village from way the hell up in the air. It almost looks like it could be like they're supposed to be doing something, some sort of riff on like Quasimodo or something, though. Because this, yes, he's well, he's right next to the bell. <laughs> yeah, the massive guy. He's up in the bell tower, and Indy's just barely hanging on by one hand, and the guy's about to like bop him in the head and send him to his doom. I just love that cover. It's really, really great. But I mean, the art in this, from from cover to cover, just totally kicks ass. It is really phenomenal stuff. But uh, what was really funny to me is right from the beginning, as soon as you realize, you know, you you turn that first opening splash page, the credits page, and start reading Indy's dialogue and realize what is happening here, it suddenly hit me, dude. You were completely right, and you you called it completely right. Indy really is an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone there and ripped this this sacred object off from these people. They're not some long dead race. They're, well, they're no, the race right is there. long dead. These are guys who found these are guys who worship the long dead race. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. But yes. either way, they're they're human beings with wives and wives and kids and stuff. And Indy just like he steals their their shit and then and then guns them down. Right. Like, uh, he's like, "Ooh, I got six of them with six shots. Now I'm gonna whip them in the face for a while." 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is it is to save his own life, but the fact... Did you notice on page two that shot of Indy with the... It, that looks like the shadow? He's got the, like, yeah. mask pulled up over his face. It totally looks like the shadow. Right, yeah, it does look like the shadow. But page three is... I mean, I would love to see this, this page for sale sometime and, and, and just see what it would go for. And, and try to go for it because page three to me is I mean it's just gorgeous it's quintessential Indiana Jones he's cornered and he's you know that that second panel of him just emptying yeah. his revolver into these well there's a little there's a little John Byrne there's a little Milton Caniff too yeah. you know like Cherry and the Pirates yeah old old newspapers you know adventure serial look to it too. He whips that guy right in the ear. Yeah, there's something Damn, that would hurt. There's something politically incorrect about about seeing black guys getting whipped in the face <laughs> by Indiana Jones <laughs> by a white guy. You know, it, it, crack. <laughs> man, yeah, Indy's a dick, man. I hadn't even thought you're right though. He uh, he almost instantly loses his hat again. He loses his hat on page uh, is it page four? Uh, it's actually at the bottom of uh, of page, page four. four. But we finally see him pick it back up and reclaim it on page uh, page six, which is something he hasn't done up till now. Whenever he'd lose his hat, he just lost his hat. So he was going through hats like crazy there for a while. I'm also going to put up the. Um... Now that we've established and now that you agree with me that Indy's a dick, <laughs> now I'm going to establish that he's stupid, too. Why is that? Because this guy offers him 20 grand to go after the nail. Indy tells him to go screw himself. And then he gets on the plane and then he goes, wait, maybe there's something towards it, uh, to this. And he goes to look for it. He could have taken the $20,000 and done that, too, you know? Right. Now he's doing it for free. I don't get it. Yeah, I didn't really understand why he turned him down other than maybe he doesn't he doesn't want to be considered a, a mercenary or, or Yeah, a, after stealing the, yeah, the calendar and shooting those guys dead, I don't know uh where he draws the line with mercenary or, yeah. or you know or plunderer. See, it changed my mind because my next note was that I really liked the scene where you know, Indy he board. I, you see him boarding the plane. He kind of kicks back. You know, I like that scene does. too. I'm just saying, you know, he could have gotten twenty thousand yeah. dollars. <laughs> well, it's funny as you turn the page, you see the plane lift off, and then the very next shot is him standing. He, you know, he's standing on the tarmac. So he got off the plane to rethink his position on this. Originally, I really liked that, but now you're right. Yeah, that wasn't very smart. He should have taken the money. If he's going to go he's, after it anyway, then take the money. He's doing exactly what he would have done if he'd taken the money, too. He's operating on the tip that this guy said the last place is Barcelona. You know, so. Now, it's funny, I, you know, Indy traveling to Barcelona, because I don't know if you read the bullpen bulletins uh, in this issue or not, but Jim Shooter talks about his recent trip to Barcelona uh, for Marvel. I thought that was. I don't in know the, if and there's a bullpen in this story. <laughs> yes, that's true too. I really like you know, Michelini is just a great writer for this series. And 
you know, part of it, like what you are just talking about with the plane taking off and then him looking up on it, I don't know how much of that's the scripting or how they laid it out when they drew it, but it's very cinematic. It's mm-hmm. he, he not only captures the feel of the indie movies, but he captures the feel of the movie, the stuff that indie was paying tribute to. Yes. When he brings in new people. So he's, he's reaching into the past to do, you know, indie, you know, he realizes what Indiana Jones is tribute to. And instead of just rehashing, although he does sort of rehash characters and, you know, Marion and, and, but those are characters you sort of want in their surrounding indie. But he doesn't necessarily have to rehash like enemies from the movie or movies as much because he can just draw from other old movies, you know, and old characters and stuff like that. Right. And it works out really good. And I like and I like this this guy um Ayub with his with his fez and everything. He's a he's a good character. He's not a, a straight up cigar chomping bad guy. As a matter of fact, we don't know he's a we're, I'm assuming he's going to turn out to be a bad guy. But at this point he hasn't done anything bad, you know. He brought in he saved Indy's life and was like well, he did pull a gun on him, <laughs> but he's a complex character, you know, and he's got a cave full of art treasures and he, uh, and he's got little hideouts all over the world. So he's got to be the bad guy that. though, because he, yeah. he's, he's employing Israeli ninjas. So he's an Arabic guy living in a cave, man. I'm like, what are they taking him to Bin Laden? <laughs> yeah, it is kind of, kind of Bin Laden before Bin Laden in a way, isn't it? Yeah, except Bin Laden didn't wear a pinstripe suit and a fez. This guy's a lot more classy, and and he smokes his uh, Hunter S. Thompson, you know, extendo cigarette. (laughs) So this guy's a little more classy, whatever he's doing. And And I have a feeling he's not a generator of chaos in the world. He's just like, I want all the art treasures in my cave. Right. And... Hey, I identify with that. I want all the treasures in my cave, too. <laughs> well, once again, we got uh, Dave Michelini, you know, playing the predictor here. Cause, now, granted, Indy had a battle with a big bruiser in Raiders. That's, that's where it kind of established the whole thing. But they kept that going. You know, they, they did it again in, in Temple of Doom. They did it again in uh, Last Crusade, or not Last Crusade, but uh, Crystal, Crystal Skull. Skull. I think Last Crusade is the only one where he doesn't fight a big bruiser, isn't it? Because I was trying to think. He does. He... There's some fisticuffs, but there isn't where you know the the you know all of a sudden the gigundus guy comes strolling out. Yeah, right, yeah. But in this one, he does. You know, he just very similar to Raiders. And you got the huge guy that comes out, and he's got to battle him. I like that. I you know I I like that. I, I'm sure it was taking a moment from Raiders, but, you know, little did he know that, you know, Spielberg himself was going to do that. Was was making it a thing. Yeah. yeah. I like that. But, yeah, I really do like it. Cause you, you're absolutely right about the cinematic feel mm-hmm. of uh, of this issue, because it really does. There's, there's several well, sequences and several panels where it is paced exactly like a film. It's and, really cool. And Michelinie's, it's... I... I, I put it squarely on Michelini's shoulders because it's been the consistent thing you know, mm-hmm. through this whole run, 
And uh, another thing about this that reminds me a lot of the Star Wars comic that we covered, it's dense, densely detailed, lots of frames, lots of stuff going on, and lots of care, super care put into, like, architecture and backgrounds. Mm-hmm. That cathedral's really um, detailed. Yeah. And, you know, you, you could tell they probably... Got some pictures of Barcelona, and and really did it up, you know. So I I appreciate that. There's, there's I mean there's, uh, the scenes where they're running down the street and you see the cathedral. I'm betting that's from a you know they went and found a photograph of the cathedral, to get it, to get it right. Which, you know, they didn't have to do that for twelve year old kids to be reading this. We didn't care if it looked like really looked like Barcelona. But Dave McElhinney did. Yeah. It is. It's really, it's something. I remembered really liking And once again, thing. we still haven't reached that point that we keep thinking that we would have reached a long time ago <laughs> in our memories of where these started to suck. It's coming. <laughs> well, it ain't here yet, because this no. is pretty awesome. This is about as good as you... Like a lot of them, this is about as good as, good as you're going to get for an Indiana Jones comic, you know? Mm-hmm. As far as capturing the the idea of it, the look of it, the feel of it, the the pacing of it. I really do love that the last characters. splash page, though. I really do. Because it reminds me very much of... Uh, remember those bonus mm-hmm. art pages In that... A- Pages, yeah, those yeah. pinup pages by Byrne that were in the the reprint of mm-hmm. Raiders. That's what they remind me of. That splash reminds me of that a lot. But uh, I, I'm trying to. I can't remember exactly where this story goes, but I do remember that this was always one of my favorites of this run. Was the the fourth nail story? But I, I have not read ahead on this particular one because I want it to be fresh as we get back to it. But but basically, isn't that guy Speedy Gonzalez? Yeah. And what's really weird is he sort of makes... I think he's getting Spain, though, mixed up a little bit with Mexico. Spain, Mexico, with, what's the difference, really? They speak sort of the same language. I don't think they say gringo in Spain. I think that's Mexican. And that hat that that guy... I mean, that guy is Speedy Gonzalez except for his face. You put a tail on him and a big <laughs> nose on him. And you know, all they gotta do is go back to his hideout and and meet Slowpoke Rodriguez, <laughs> and and you got the whole thing. <laughs> oh, I love it, <laughs> Torino. Get off my lawn! Is his first name Gran? Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Have you watched that yet? No. Oh, jeez. Talk about your movie tailor made for Scott Gardner. <laughs> that would be a movie that you and your dad should watch together and just enjoy the hell out of. He loves that movie. He's been trying to get me to see. Oh it. yeah, oh yeah. I could see your dad would just like, yeah, eat it up. <laughs> one, it's got a car as one. It's not like you know, like the hinge of the plot it's not like corvette summer or something but yeah it's yeah <laughs> you still need to do that at some point yeah this summer sometime while it's still summer <laughs> yeah 
Unless well, we want to do Corvette Summer in the winter. Oh, good lord. Well, that's it for this time around. Next time on Star Wars Monthly Monday, we will cover Star Wars Annual Number 2, which, again, I don't remember being very good. It's, this is largely the reason why we skipped the annuals. I'm pretty sure that, that that's the one that it took me forever to get Number 2, and I I seem to remember when I got it, I was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That may not be as fun to look at, if I recall. I think the art is not as good as the first and the third annual. See, I, I honestly, I cannot remember what the what the deal is with that one. But we got Star Wars Annual number two, and then The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones number 12, which is going to wrap up the fourth nail story. And I'm looking forward to that one. I haven't reread that one. Well, I haven't reread any of these. Mm-hmm. I haven't read <laughs> these, these at all. So. so, yeah, looking forward to that. It's all new and awesome to me. Cool. All right. We'll be back next time. Over and out. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.
We can't take off. The captain isn't on board. Auto takeoff sequence initiated. Oh, no. Um, excuse me. You don't seem to understand. I am not the captain. I am C-3PO. 421, click for takeoff. Contact departure on frequency 429. Wait! Wait! R2-D2, I am not programmed to fly these things. Now just turn us around this instant before we get into trouble. I knew it! Oh! Don't shoot! Prepare to be boarded, Captain. I'm afraid there's been a terrible mistake. I am seeing. We know you have this ready spy. I've never seen that man before. Okay. Go. Don't underestimate my power. I want that spy. Thank the maker. Stop. Welcome, Star Tours. I 
trust our colleague is safe? Safe? Have you many idea what we've been through? We're on your deck, Captain. Captain? Uh, glad to be of service. Well, we're all in the Rebel Alliance now, so may the Force be with us. Oh, and uh, thank you for flying Star Tours! Please remain seated until the Captain has opened the exit doors. You may then unlatch your safety restraints by pressing the release button on your left. Make sure you have all your personal belongings as you exit. Thank you for flying Star Tours. Bye-bye.